I hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. There's something wrong with us! Something very, very wrong with us! You are my podcast. My only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your ass. Oh my God. It's very creepy. Just a little weird. Maybe it'll catch on. Who knows? It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Do I have your attention? Send your dick pics. <laughs> I got a whole folder full of dick pics. Are you interested? I know you are because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phone Boy and Phoenix. I don't know Phone Boy. Those two are those two are pretty interesting to listen to. They're fucking nuts! But they don't know shit about fuck, clearly. You just can't trust them. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <clears throat> Bullshit! I'm glad you heard all that. Well, yes, uh, we are glad you heard all that. So welcome to episode 94 of The Lotus Effect, where the show is made up and the content doesn't matter. And I'm Phoenix. An emotional support stripper. And uh, I'm, still, uh, I'm still phone boy. He puts his dick on the table, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I absolutely love that clip. That is one of the best clips we've got. Yes, and I, I love that we have pairing clips from, from, from DeLorean and from Sir Spencer. It just happened to work out so wonderful. I know, from the same show. It was funny because we hadn't listened to the show for a while. It had been, been a hot minute since we sat down on a Tuesday night. We used to do it all the time, except we were uh, apart from each other. And you know now we're doing it. You know, and when we do it, we're sitting on the bed together. It's, it's kind of cool. But uh, um, anyway, this is, uh, th- yeah, this is, okay, what is this show? Yeah. We are, I think we said what the show is, right? So I guess we need to go, you go on with it. You such a dork. Yes, I do. What is this, a freak out? This is kind of strange. This is terrific. Uh, I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing, for the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing! We're there. I just had an orgasm. That's right. Yeah, uh, we, we don't need to know that. Uh, you know, all I can all I can say is, yeah, something. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I, I you know, there, I, there there's. Uh, yes, I must. Uh, I must apologize for me and my partner. I I don't need an apology. Yeah. We don't make apologies around here. So you know, the lotus affects everyone differently. And however, wherever the lotus is affecting you, thank you for your courage in propagating the model of the Podfather himself, who apparently can't tell time, as he was supposed to go on at one thirty, not twelve thirty, according to Sir Bemrose. But irrelevant to that, if you're new to the No Agenda family. Here's how it works, and welcome. We are a value for value podcast, which means we provide you some value in the form of entertainment, and whatever that value is worth for you, whether it is 
the time, the talent, or the treasure that you give back to us. We appreciate all of it. And the ways to do so is you can go to lowesteffect.show and click on the green, formerly yellow, we like money button. Oh, I like money, though. That's yeah, right. Yeah, 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 I like money. Yeah, yeah, money, 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 money. Never down, Bebeth. So you can send us some of your fiat fund coupons via PayPal. If your money offends you, we are a charitable organization and we will gladly take it off of your hands. You can boost us, as the podfather says, and he does in his new uh, boostagram ball that he's starting, which is what the whole kerfuffle is over today. Yeah. Boost me, bitch. That's right. So if you want to splash the walls in the studio f- to show your appreciation and you do not have a new podcasting 2.0 app, then you must have been living in a cave like Bin Laden back in the day. So come into the light, Carol Ann. Go to new or nudepodcastapps.com and you can get yourself one of those nice new podcasting 2.0 compliant apps that lets you splash Satoshis all over your face. Favorite podcasts, and you can and, and you think I, you think I would know how to use a mute button enough to be able to do it when I cough. You would think so, <laughs> yeah, but anyway. you can send us mail if you want the address. If you want to send us something physical, you can do so. But getting back to that whole boostergram thing that we love so much, we have got a shit ton, a metric shit ton today of boosts that have come in from our wonderful pedal heads, starting with Weirdo who boosted 3333, saying Studio 33 is where we be for Tasty Jams with the Lotus Fam. Because you know, if you know, you know, that we do Rideshare Radio on Friday nights at 8 a.m. 8 a.m. Yeah, go me. 8 p.m. The other other a.m. That's right. It's like the other Sunday. You know, the second Sunday for No Agenda. So, yeah, at 8 p.m. Central on Friday nights, we do Rideshare Radio, and that is what that boost was about. And then Weirdo hit us up with two, two, two boosts for 333. First one for Head PE saying, break down the cover. And... Sess crew seven chakras and he said i asked the truth you act aloof i say some things to get back to you life's 10 percent. what happens to you other 90 percent is all attitude apparently that's part of the lyrics from that song and i do agree it is all about your attitude and our attitude today is smoke weed every day that's our attitude every day oh, um, yeah, so, you know. so we got we got a we got a boost from poem 435 aka uh, dame jennifer weeda uh gogol bordello uh hier- hieroglyph of love please well we did play that uh, hieroglyph of love here yeah hieroglyph yeah something like that hieroglyph and meanwhile um, this is a man who speaks for a living yes, and but, yet can't pronounce the word hieroglyph yeah, the whatever balls. breaking the balls yes that's not a word i pronounce on a regular basis i talk i i i, I, I use bullshit yeah, and marketing a mute terms. button is something you don't use on a regular basis or is it? I can't remember. It's so often in your life. <laughs> yes. And meanwhile, you boosted a three thirty three sets going rage against the machine. Bulls on parade. We played that. Um, and then, yeah. And by the way, that's how you if you're if you're listening to Studio thirty three. Um, you know, we would. I think there's a. Uh, yeah, that's how. That's how you can get your songs to us. Is you can send boostograms. Um, 
We, and we get that, and this is how things get get uh, floated up near the top of the queue. And then we got Phoenix coming in for another 333 sets saying, uh, the mighty, mighty boss tone simmered down. Uh, I think that was directed at Bemrose. Um, we've also got Weirdo coming in again for 333 uh, a couple times uh, for Yellow Wolf, American U, and then Yellow Wolf Dope. Okay. And then uh, then you, then we get a, a boost for 3333 from you, uh, my partner, podcast partner in crime. What do you, what do you say from Mickey Avalon? Yeah, that's that is an amazing track that I absolutely love. And my son, Phoenix Jr., who was in the chat, was all about that track. And then, you know, I boosted another 3333 for my son, Phoenix Jr., himself. And it was the sound of M1 Garands to a... It was a piece of classical music. And... That was the back setting. It, it's quite interesting. If you missed it, you missed it. Yeah. We'll probably never play it again. Yeah. But, so, you know, I just had to do it one more time because three is the magic number with 333 for some head PE raise hell. Yeah. And, and then Weirdo follows it up with uh, 333 sats going head PE wake up. Yeah, that's a great track. And then uh, and then you boosted a thousand sats. Uh, do a leap. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, that's a that's a. That's a great track. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Phoenix boosted another thousand sets saying, hopefully a wild sharky will appear uh, by requesting some Jefferson airplane white rabbit. I would say this is a, that's a good way to summon a sharky. Um, and then you boosted three, uh, 33, 33 sets. Another one rides the bus. Yeah. Which, uh, uh, let's, I have a thing for weirdo. What can I say? Yeah, exactly. And weirdo has a boost for, uh, for, sh for snow, the products say bitch. Um, this is uh, for three thirty three sats. And then we get, then you boost another thousand sats a couple times, uh, Christian million AM to PM and little mix black magic. It's Christina. Oh, Christina. Okay. Well, okay. Well, uh, then weirdo comes in with, uh, with another, uh, with Fluke and Zion uh, and Massive Attack Angel. Okay, those are for 333 sets each. And then... Phoenix you know, I just had to bust a big baller move. 10,000 sats. Yeah. Rideshare Radio is on air. Boost This us, is bitch. a new live son of a bitch. That yeah. is right. And then Weirdo came in for 3333. It's lit. Rideshare Radio is a go. And another 333 saying Foghat. I just want to make love to you, which is a great tune in of itself. That's and of right. course, you know, following the love theme, I got a 3333 boost in for some Brian Ferry, Slave to Love. Yeah. Followed by 3333, Hall & Sarah Smile. I answered back with 333 for some Starship, Sarah. And then 420 sets. Happy birthday, Sharky, you stony pedal head. We do love us a Sharky. Yeah, we do. Um, you know what I, I should have done before the shows? Because you keep going with it. Please, please keep going with it with our with our list here. While I, I will more than gladly do so. So following that up, I did a one, two, three, four for some wake up by Head PE, boosted by Sharky was four hundred twenty sats for some Gloria. The song is called Sarah, which was actually pretty cool. Yeah, and I actually it might have was it. Yeah. I guess that is the name of the song. Yeah. Like, that confuses me. Two fucking first names for a band and then a song. Like, that. that's fucked up. Yeah. But Weirdo, who is always fucked up in the best kind of way, triple shot. 
Three, three, three. First one being head PE waiting to die. Then a little Lords of Acid, out comes the evil. And some more head PE with crazy legs. Yeah, we had to, we want to get the get the unedited. Yeah, because we uh, yeah we found the had to find the the uncensored version. You know, of course we did. Yes, exactly. And then uh, you boosted uh, for sixty nine sixty nine set saying Rihanna S and M. There you go. Uh, and then uh, you and then the last uh, boostogram is uh, three hundred thirty three sets from you, Phil Collins, Susu. Studio, which we played that. All right, now, and we did have a, another boost that came in when we first started the show. Another ten thousand sats from none other than moi. And I don't think Boostbot picked it up. Oh wait, it did. This is a new live son of a bitch. The Lotus is lit, and you should. This be too. is a new live son of a bitch. There you go. Yes, that's to, right. Yes, I just and I for, and and I completely forgot to. It's put a good it thing in. one of us is actually paying attention to how the show is supposed to go. Well, I just say. Just well, saying. this is you know, but you see, you did the boostergram, so you would know if it isn't in the script for me for us to read. So. So this is this is this well, is how this, this works. Is this is the reason why. why I addressed it was because it is in the script and we did address it. Yes, it is. So meanwhile, if you want to be part of this Boostergram party or, or the Boostergram ball or whatever, well, yeah, you need to go to new podcast apps or new to podcast apps dot com and, uh, and and go down you load down you down you load one down. Oh you, <laughs> my aching god! You know what? I'm I'm initiating Phone Boy's mute button. He's officially not allowed on the mic for the next few minutes while he tries to get his tongue and his head to connect to one another. I think he's having. Uh, connection issues. There's a real pebcac situation going on. So if you want to send us feedback, if you want to tell us what a shitty job we're doing or tell us how great you think the show is, you can do it in a few different ways. You can send us a message on No Agenda Social. He, of course, is Phone Boy on No Agenda Social. And I am Phoenix on No Agenda Social with a whole lot of shit after it. So if you just type at Phone Boy or at Phoenix, P-H-E-O-N-I-X, I'm the only one who spells it that way. So I'm pretty sure the extremely long name that I have will pop up and you'll be able to find me. You can also send us email. He is phoneboy at lotuseffect.show. I am phoenix at lotuseffect.show. You can snail mail us, like we said, if you want the address to send us something. You can hit us up in the back channel or email us in one of the other ways, and we will gladly share that with you. Or you can do what a whole lot of our pedal heads do, is call 253-237-3321, and you can weigh in on the refire topic for the week. One ringy dingy. Now I'm going to let you. This is Chip. I'm going to let you back on the mic to tell the folks what our refire topic is this week. Well, uh, so we want to. What we want to find out this week is, uh, well, what uh, what's your what's your least favorite restaurant out there and why? Um, And and I think it's it's been relevant because we've been kind of railing about a local restaurant here that we I'm sure we will never visit because, well, you know, they're probably not going to last. But now, of course, if you don't want to sound off on that, you could sound off on uh, last week's uh, refire topic, and we've got a couple of voicemails for that because they came in at the end of the show, um, uh, right after we had uh, right after the mics had went cold. So, uh, so we've actually got in the last one, which was what, 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 coffee or tea and how you take it or any of the other past refire topics. Uh, um, but uh, you know, when we play these uh, voicemails, uh, we play these voicemails during the show, and of course, uh, you know, they take this advice as you as you listen and participate. So just sit right down, relax, open your ears real wide, and say, "Give it to me straight, doctor. I can take it." 
Yeah, I, I, I can take it. But uh, the one thing we definitely won't take is... We don't want your shit. Please, please don't send us your shit. shit. Yeah, I mean... That's right. Yeah. So as much as we want your feedback, we want your participation, we will not accept inappropriate things. And believe me, if you've listened to this show, you know there's not a lot of shit that we find inappropriate. But if you were being racist, if you're just being a cunt, yeah, we, we don't want to fucking hear it. So keep that shit to yourself. It's all about the good vibes around here. And yeah... There's some real good-natured ball-busting that goes on. It's just what we do, but it's good-natured. Some of the things that we've gotten for feedback are absolutely unacceptable, and you will be blocked, you will be ignored, you will be called out of our life if you do that. So please be at least respectful, because not only do we deserve it, but you as a person look like a total piece of shit when you're not respectful to other people. There you go. Yeah. So That's just the, my opinion, man. That is just your opinion. All right. So now, I think I think what's not opinion is uh, that we start with the with the first uh, segment of the show here. Don't want to sound like a dick or nothing, but uh, it says on your chart that you're fucked up. Uh, you talk like a fag, and your shit's all retarded. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel like this particular article was actually written for me you know especially because in the notes uh, he literally wrote bitch 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 <laughs> yeah. that is pretty much the best way to describe yeah, from the bitch 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 department that's right you know to, to give a, a little nod to some atn yes so, <laughs> from the bitch 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 department that's uh, right. you know venting could be good for your health and uh, fun boy's gonna tell you why yeah so uh, venting otherwise known as the release of negative pent-up emotions can feel good but is it actually good for you, or does it do more harm than good to dwell on negative thoughts and feelings? Now, experts say that it depends on a number of factors, including who's on the receiving end of a venting session, how often a person does it, and what type of feedback they receive. And I can assure you that, yeah, that, that there's a lot to that, because there's at some point, uh, yeah, I, st I, I stopped even talking to somebody, and yeah, that means I wasn't venting to them either. Uh, so yeah, that, that's, uh, that's, that's the thing. Um, <clears throat> By and large, we do need to get our negative emotions out, said Rachel Milstein, a staff psychologist in the Behavioral Medicine Program and Lifestyle Medicine Clinic at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston. Have you noticed by any chance that a lot of shit comes out of Boston, uh, out of Mass General? Yeah. Have you happened to notice that? In a lot of the things that we bring to the pedal heads, there's some dick bag that's is, coming is, out is of it, Mass it, General is it, is it, yakking is it, about is it. Isn't Harvard also in Mass? Or? Where is Harvard? No, Harvard is in Connecticut. Oh, even worse. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you fucking ask. You're going to yeah. get the answer. Yeah, I got I got the answer. Okay, but it's in that it's in that cluster of blue it's bullshit. It's an Ivy League douche canoe school. That's yeah. all there is to it. Exactly. So, um <clears throat> think about, hold on. Isn't Walter Willett associated with Harvard? I, I know he fucking is. So, at the end of the day, yeah, douche canoe school. Yeah, du douche canoe school is correct. Okay, so um, now mean and and so now speaking to someone who is supportive of your feelings can be helpful, even if that person offers a different perspective. Milstein said. Now, but venting to someone who is dismissive of your feelings can be detrimental. Said Jonathan Schaffer an associate pro professor of clinical health psychology at the University of Colorado in Denver. It's invalidating to share and get no response from the other person. I can tell you that for, for, as a fact. Uh, it might make you feel like you don't have worth or are not lovable. Yeah, I definitely, I, I can assure you it, it, it did in my case. Now, venting can also be counterproductive if the listener amplifies negative feelings and the conversation spirals. Then you can pull each other down. 
Right. Now, if speaking feelings aloud to someone else feels unsafe, another alternative is to write them down, Schaffer said, or turn on the mic and just uh, podcast them into the Internet. I mean, yeah, I was literally going to say, and I'm sure that our head troll, Sir Bemrose, can echo the sentiment that the best way to vent is do a podcast. That's right. Uh, Studies have found numerous health benefits to expressive writing, the practice of writing down feelings on a daily basis. I wonder when they're going to start studying podcasters. I mean, it's kind of the same idea. Ew. Uh, Wash your mouth out with whiskey. What is wrong with you? We do not need to be subjects of some study that's bullshit. No, but I... Because it would obviously be bullshit. I don't think any studies are healthy. Well, probably not. Although I do know that... Bemrose needs more liquor. Bemrose always needs more liquor. That is why probably he after is the listening head to this shit show, he's going to be like, "Yeah, I, I don't know. This is, it's it's you know, it's the it's the it's the beer it's the beer ears. I think is what is the word I'm looking for. Beer ears. Yeah, I've you know, never like beer, you, 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 well, it's like beer, I, I, I know it's beer, like beer goggles. goggles. It's the same idea, right? But he doesn't drink beer. He's a Scotchman. Yeah, I know. Respectively. He's, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So just just don't forget that humor is a really good coping strategy, too, uh, because uh, sometimes other people can help us see this funny side of things. Yes, we have. We Again, uh, the Lotus Effect. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, now, meanwhile, I'm sure you've also heard of um, Weight Watchers. It's been around. It's been around uh, for a while. Um, however, um, they've uh, they started pivoting to Ozempic, uh, and influencers are are kind of uh, full are just not going along with it. So, in March, the popular weight loss uh, program Weight Watchers acquired telehealth platform Sequence and announced members would be able to use the new subscription based acquisition to get GLP. Dash one weight loss medications like Ozempic, Wegovy, and tablet options like uh, Rebelsis. But the move seems to be at odds with the long-standing tenets of the program. Now, Weight Watchers, which was first started in 1963 and instituted in strip malls across America, has long been touted by supporters, including Oprah, Oprah Winfrey, who owns a stake in the company, as an easier way to lose weight while avoiding the stigma and temptation of crash diets and weight loss pills. Oh my aching God, that fucking heifer? She's so full of shit, no wonder she's brown. Like, I can't even. That bitch don't do Weight Watchers like I don't fucking eat meat. Come on. No, 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 no. She ain't losing it on that fucking joke of a program. Now, Weight Watchers revolves around an ever-changing point system that ranks food based on its calories and sugar content, then allows members a certain amount of points each day based on their goals. It also combines the point system with an accountability framework where members attend meetings together, weigh in, and discuss their journeys with both a coach and each other, a method the company says is scientifically proven. And this is is in quotes, so, you know. So you know it's bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. To change people's relationship with food. Yes, it probably changes it for the worse, if I'm understanding. I can tell you, I have a friend who's been doing Weight Watchers for multiple years. Multiple years. I've lost more weight in the year and a half I've been doing No Sugar, No Grain than she has in the multiple years, probably better than 10, that she's been doing Weight Watchers. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, uh, so the pivot to medical weight loss by Weight Watchers hasn't been fully adopted by Weight Watchers' strongest and most vocal supporters online, the, the, their influencers. The company, however, s- says they're being patient. Now, social media is an imp- 
incredibly powerful place to discover, learn, and most importantly, connect with others. Weight Watchers head of global brand marketing, Melanie Rabino, said in a statement. Yeah, that sounds that definitely sounds like a PR statement. With that, community sounds like a bullshit title. Yeah. Well, so it, it, anyway, with with that, the community is at the heart of our brand, and we have always leveraged first-person storytelling on social media and beyond. We will continue to embrace our members and showcase their personal experiences that others can relate to. Oh, good God. Now, the only reason... Yeah, so, um, there, there, so the only reason I'm on a Zempic is because it lets me take less fast-acting insulin with my meals. Uh, Biz Volanti, a, a weight loss and food content creator who first joined Weight Watchers in 1999, uh, says. And that she's also a type 1 diabetic. That's why this is I, I find well. that very interesting because finally someone who actually is using this medication for what it's intended for, which is diabetes management. I mean, it's a small glimmer of hope yeah. that maybe somebody out there will be able to get these fat fucks to figure out that they need to stop using this medication and depleting the supply for the diabetics that actually need it. Exactly. Now, now, but when I saw that Weight Watchers was partnering with Sequence, that just rubbed me the wrong way because I think that everyone's looking for the quick fix. People have unrealistic expectations on how weight loss works, and if it's not fast enough, that means it's not working for them. Yeah, need I remind you of the Dexatrim, the two shakes a day in a sensible meal. And that was Weight Watchers, I believe. No, no that was, that's uh, SlimFast. Yeah, Sorry. It's some processed food company. I know that. Yeah, but at, at the end of the day, now I used to consume these two shakes in a sensible meal thing. They are absolutely teetotally loaded with sugar. Gee, can't imagine why that product's not working. It, Duh. It, it tastes like shit, too. Actually, I didn't mind the taste of it. But then again, I'm the person who didn't also mind the taste of, like, Maalox or Mylanta. The chalkiness had absolutely no ick factor for me. But we're not talking about me. We're giving shit to Ozempic and Manjaro. Here we go again, y'all. As if we don't have enough of these stories, here comes another one. Apparently, Ozempic and Manjaro could cause stomach paralysis. Yeah, what you need to know about that? So a lawsuit's been filed against Novo Nordisk and Eli Lilly, the drug manufacturers of the blockbuster weight loss drug Ozempic and Manjaro. There was a woman from Louisiana who claims she was prescribed the drug by her doctors and experienced severe gastrointestinal side effects, including gastroparesis. <clears throat> Jacqueline... Bjorglin, a 44-year-old woman from Louisiana who lost 150 pounds from taking the drugs as prescribed by her doctor, is behind one of the lawsuits. Her attorney says she suffered severe injuries from the drugs, including stomach paralysis, also known as gastroparesis, claiming the injuries could be permanent. She's suing the manufacturers of both drugs, <clears throat> Novor Nordisk, which produces Ozempic and Wigovi, and Eli Lilly, who is responsible for Manjaro, for failing to warn of the risks of severe gastrointestinal events. Now, my opinion on this is, if this was not a side effect that was chronicled during the clinical tests, then how in the hell were they supposed to know that it causes it? I mean, I don't know whether or not... It's in the paperwork that it's a possibility. Could it be? Sure. But 
as a result of using these drugs, the defendant was... Or the, the plaintiff. I'm sorry, the plaintiff. Yeah, that. They're yeah, the, the, person, the person who initiated... The, yeah, they're the plaintiff. I know what the hell the, cho- the difference is between the two. Yes. Well, fuck you! Anyway. So, as a result of using Ozempic and Manjaro, the plaintiff was caused to suffer from severe gastrointestinal events, which resulted in, for example, severe vomiting, stomach pain, gastrointestinal burning, being hospitalized for stomach issues on several occasions, including visits to the ER. She had teeth that fell out due to the excessive vomiting, and she required additional medications to alleviate the vomiting. And, of course, she was throwing up whole food hours after eating. So, in other words, her body was not digesting this food. Now, stomach paralysis can result from various factors, but it's, do- it's a documented side effect of taking GLP-1 and similar drugs like Ozempic and Manjaro. So, okay, that's great. You knew the side effects. You knew the risk. But it was in the paperwork. We, we all have gotten those big old packs of paperwork. Okay, so it was in there, and you still opted to take the drug. Just exactly how successful do you expect to be in this lawsuit? You know, asking for a friend. Fucking idiot. Anyway, if food is taking too long to leave the stomach due to a condition called gastroparesis, it can harden into masses called bezoars, according to the National Institute of It sounds of Health. like bed sores. You know, it really does. And these can lead to blockages in the intestine and other issues. So basically, if your stomach locks up, you ain't shitting. That, that's just no good. So alongside vomiting and nausea, it's something that needs to be kept in mind by patients and clinicians. Because the link between these drugs and stomach paralysis isn't fully known yet. And other cases of severe outcomes from Ozempic, Wagovi, and Manjaro have been recently reported to the FDA. And this was acknowledged in a statement that was given to CNN. So it's going to be interesting to see how long it is before, and if at all, the FDA finally decides, yeah, we're going to pull this medication off the market. We can only hope. Yeah, I doubt it. But, uh, you know, of course, I also doubt this next headline. A vegetarian diet may help improve your cholesterol, blood sugar levels, and lead to weight loss. Now, now may, right? That's their weasel word, right? That means they haven't actually proven it. Now, it says a Mediterranean diet has long been associated with good heart health, according to the American Heart Association. Oh, wait a minute. Stop right the fuck there. This is a story about vegetarianism, and they're talking about the Mediterranean diet. I'm sorry. Maybe I'm not that versed in the Mediterranean diet. But I'm pretty fucking sure fish is on the Mediterranean diet. And most vegetarians don't eat fish. So I'm a little confused at the beginning of this article. Yeah, so they're they're trying to make they're trying to mix things up here. It's it's not good. Now a meta-analysis Oh, so they're talking in circles. Wow, where's my shock face? Yeah. But a meta-analysis of previous research is showing that a vegetarian diet may, may have significant improvements in helping people lower LDL or bad cholesterol, which is which is something I don't think we need to worry too much about, help with blood sugar levels and lower body weight with high-risk patients. Now, of all the studies that the researchers screened, they were able to find 20 articles to include with the average A's of sample sizes ranging from 28 to 64 and the average study duration ranging from 2 to 24 months. The results of this study showed that vegetarian diets were associated with decreasing LDLC or bad cholesterol within six months. Yeah, because you're not eating right, actually. Well, 
And also, haven't we talked numerous times about the guy that said you can literally affect your cholesterol results by doing this, that, or the other thing right before you have the test. So it's really arbitrary if yeah. you think about it. Yeah. Actually, and additionally, it led to better HbA1c and measure for blood sugar levels and lower body weight. Now, it showed a non-significant relationship between plant-based diets and systolic blood pressure, which basically is another way of saying it didn't, we, we, we didn't observe any, uh, any relationship or uh, And if you're else. not aware, systolic is the top number. Yeah. Yes. Well, they they were they were yes exactly. Well, people need to understand the average. That's the it said they were the average sample sizes, right? Well, well actually sample sizes with actually age of sample sizes. Yeah, that's eight. Yeah, exactly. So now it, if this is now before anybody now before anyone embarks on a vegetarian or plant based diet, it's important to understand what that exactly means. Now I'm frustrated with the term vegetarian because it doesn't imply that people are choosing a healthy diet. Christopher D. Gardner, Ph.D., chair of the American Heart Association's Lifestyle Nu Nutrition Committee, and the the Rarebong Farquhar Professor of Medicine at Stanford University in Stanford, California. And I much prefer a whole food plant based diet as a term. Gee, must be getting getting paid by Walter Willett or so you beat me to it yes so but a whole food plant-based diet as a term well it in in it might be more accurate to that's what what you know what the, if they're doing their guidelines right they just they don't you know they don't use those terms and so of course the food and, and they do that on purpose so that the processed food industry can continue to produce the shit that they're producing and uh, you know that's why they don't they're not going nobody is you know whether whether you're you know whether you're carnivore or, or vegan or something in between, right? And it, it doesn't really, you know. I mean, it, it's that what they're, you know, they're they're still, you know, they're not going to be very clear about what they allow because then that allows the the, the, the processed food manufacturers to keep making the same shit, and you know, and that we don't really have to tell them to do too much different, right? And so it's 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 just it's it, we're all gonna die, man. That's what what else? What all can I say? Yeah, um, nobody gets out alive. That's right. Um, now, of course, we, we all we know that. Uh, yeah. So um, now Gardner, now Gardner, uh, Gardner, not Gartner, which is yeah, that's a whole different. That's 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 the other life. Um, Gardner conducted a study in 2005 that looked at two low-fat diets, both of which met the guidelines of the American Heart Association. One featured snackwell cookies, chicken without the skin, and mashed potatoes with light margarine, while the other featured a spinach salad with an egg, whole grain bread with butter, and lentil soup with cheese. In that study, the convenience food low-fat diet lowered LDL by 5%. The second diet with whole foods lowered LDL by 10%. I just want to recognize several things in that starting with snack well cookies okay grains and fake sugar uh margarine yeah because that's not anything but seed oils you literally are trying to compare and oh yeah the potato part of that you're comparing shit food with food other than it having grains is not all that bad i kind of feel like that's a real bias stacked situation if you ask me I agree with that. Um, now, and our message to physicians is that they can't just say low fat when prescribing a diet. And that's the same when using the term vegetarian, he said. And, and you know, the, of course, the problem is, is that, and, and this is, and I wish I had this clip handy that, that like, how much, you know, how much, uh, uh, you know, diet, you know, the nutrition training that, like, do, you know, Dr. Drew Pinsky, you know, the, you know who, um, I'm sure he, he used to, you know, he, he still works with Adam yeah. Carolla, right? And, but, and, yep. and, 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 and he, I tell you what, I tell you what, has, it's 60. It's 60 
sixty something years old. That dude, he st- looks good. He 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 looks like he's yeah. He looks he's ripped, ripped AF. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but he's like, yeah, I got none. I got none. Right? He got he got precisely. No- they they do not train regular, you know, PC doctors for or any doctors unless you're. In nutrition itself, they're they're just not giving any training, yeah. and there's a reason. I really for that. think that a so okay, I'll put it this way: if you've never been trained on how to drive a car, stay out from behind the wheel of one. If you haven't been trained in nutrition, uh, yeah, don't be telling your fucking patients how to eat nutritionally. Why not refer them to somebody who knows what they're talking about, or at least claims to? And it's their job. Just, just a wild thought. You're, you're not going to go to a podiatrist to get a tooth pulled. Well, and, and also look at your doctor. If your doctor weighs as much as you do, then maybe you shouldn't take his dietary advice. So, so yes, we, we've done a lot of research on, on nutrition. We have, we have, we've also done a lot of our own N equals one experiments on, on nutrition. So we've got a, We've got a decent idea. Yeah, so I would have to say that, uh, we're experts at this point. Yeah. In fact, we even, in fact, in fact, it was funny because in the, in the, in the speeches that you did for the, for the, um, for class, uh, yeah, well, I think we used the fact that we, 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 we used, we actually leveraged, uh, yeah, ourselves as experts or actually you were, I should say you did. Yes, because, yeah. I did. And yeah. I, I actually think I pulled out a decent grade in that class. I have not actually looked at the final grade for that shit show, but yeah. I believe that I pulled an A. Yeah, well, there you go. Uh, so, meanwhile, a uh, study shows that both men and women who are vegetarian face increased rip- risk of hip fracture. Now, uh, so research at the University of Leeds in the UK has, have analyzed data on... 413,914 people. So it's a, both men and women. And it gives the first indication that vegetarian men also face a greater risk of hip fracture than men who regularly eat meat. It also identifies some of the factors that may be putting vegetarians at increased risk. Now, uh, recruited between 2006 and 2010, the individuals in the study that were all part of the UK Biobank project provided information on their diet and were classed as either a regular meat eater who ate meat five or more times a week, an occasional meat eater consuming meat fewer than five times a week, pescatarian where they ate fish but not meat, or vegetarian where they could consume dairy foods but not fish or meat. Now, the data on individuals was linked to their hospital records in case of hip fractures were recorded in the follow-up period to 2021. Now, the paper, Risk of Hip Fracture in Meat Eaters, Pescatarians and Vegetarians, a a prospective cohort study of the the 413,914 UK biobank participants is published in the journal BMC Medicine. Among the participants, they were 3,503 cases of hip fracture, an overall incidence rate of less than 1%. So this is not something that happens, uh, you know, at least in that, in that group of people at that time. It did not that much. Now, although the overall risk of having a hip fracture was low, the relative risk between vegetarians and regular meat eaters was large. And this is where we talk about, you know, when they talk about stating the risk of something, right? This is sometimes this is used to inflate the, you know, the actual risk of it. So exactly. Now, now, so, so the, now the researchers found, for example, that the the, uh, the vegetarians had a fifty percent greater risk than the regular meat eaters, uh, regardless of sex, and there was no difference. Ri- what ri- does what they're doing in the bedroom have anything to do with what they're eating? Uh, or maybe that could be kinky. It, well, 
Yeah, possibly. You know, you know I mean, they're they're simply they're, they're, saying, they're, you know, regardless of the sex that they're having, you know, the the vegetarians are fifty percent greater risk than the meat eaters. I guess that, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. there was no there, there was no difference in risk between occasional and regular meat eaters. Uh, pescatarians had a slightly greater risk than regular meat eaters, but this was a non significant difference. And they said they said eight percent. So now the study shows that while vegetarians face a greater risk of hip fractures than meat eaters, it, this translates to just three more hip fractures per thousand people over 10 years. The health benefits of a vegetarian diet, including a lower risk of cancer and cardiovascular disease, may still outweigh any increases in hip fracture risk, say study authors. Now, yeah, we talked about relative versus absolute risk. So it's, yeah, obvi- obviously the risk of a hip fracture is, is relatively low, but if you do get into a situation, yeah, but, you know, one thing that does definitely happen when you're on a vegetarian or vegan diet and we're, is uh, the, uh, yeah, you start losing uh, muscle mass and that's a problem, right? Especially as you get older and as, as you well, get older, and in yeah. the chat we're seeing our head troll is talking about a vegan influencer who died of malnutrition last week so you know i mean as obama says oh, you could die Yes, and this is, and yeah, and I doesn't doesn't surprise me that, and because I've because I've seen some of these vegan influencers, they look they they look emaciated, uh, and um, yeah, they just do not look healthy. And I've had several conversations with people who are starting out as vegetarians or vegans. I mean, respectful conversations and everything, but I make my point very known that if you are becoming a vegan. Or vegetarian because I love the animals. Then I've got a piece of film for you to watch where those precious animals are being killed so your crops aren't invaded and eaten by them. So, uh, you know, chow down and enjoy your salad, murderer. Yeah, exactly. So um, it is. It's just. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality is, is that yeah, something's got to die for you to live. That there's no getting around it. Uh, whether it's a sentient, you know, multiple sentient beings, or or you know, or, or plants. Right? Plant lives matter. Is, is a is a is a phrase I like. As to, you have said before. Yes. And honestly, <clears throat> we are very big on if you are going to eat a steak or whatever. As long as it's an edible part, like eat the fat, even if it's overcooked, pay that animal the respect by consuming it because it gave its life for your nourishment. I mean, not to be all tree huggery and shit, but I really think that you should just use as much or all of the animal as you can to show it the respect it deserves for giving its life so you could further yours. Okay. So I'm going to, okay. So we, we're not, I didn't actually put this in the script obviously. Cause I, cause, uh, cause Sir Bemrose just literally dropped this on us. But I think, I think I'm going to go through the story real fast here. This, of this vegan raw food diet yeah, this influencer. influencer that starved to death. I, I really think, and I was actually going to talk to you behind Mike about including it in last or uh, next week's, show but if you want to cover it live hey yeah, let's, breaking let's, 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 news we've yeah, got a story being covered live by phone yeah, yeah exactly and and this is i've got to i'm gonna have me. to put it i'm gonna have to put it in the in the in the script here but this is this is pretty yeah so a ve- vegan raw food diet influencer zana art dies of suspected starvation according to a report and this is a uh, you know this there is, has got to be more to this however yeah i mean 
Yes, that's a great, you know, bleeds it leads attention grabbing headline. Exactly. So clickbait for sure. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and of course I've got to, like I'm I'm adding all the stuff that we're going to need to be able to do with this. So but so I'll read the very vegan influencer Zanis uh, Sam Sanova has allegedly died of starvation after subsisting exclusively on a diet of exotic fruit in Malaysia according to her friends and family. She was 39. Now, um you know, so it was, it was, it was funny. Uh, so a few months ago in Sri Lanka, she already looked exhausted with swollen legs, oozing lymph. One identified, fr- unidentified friend told a newsflash. They sent her home to seek treatment. However, she ran away again. When I saw her in, in Puckett, she was, I was horrified. Her friend added, I'd lived one floor above her. And every day I feared her, her lifeless body in the morning. I convinced her to seek treatment, but she did not make it. And yes, if you look at the pictures of this girl, oh my good Lord. You know, I hate to say this, but sh- she looks the way my mom looked yeah and we'll, we'll discuss that in toast and jam yes like that's beyond yeah ugh. so god that's just that look how do you look in the mirror and go oh i'm so healthy because i'm eating vegan yeah, so a, so she was apparently a proponent of uncooked herb, herbivorous fare, and the and the 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 the, the Kaysen native claimed she ate a completely raw vegan diet for the last four years, consuming just fruits, sunflower seeds, sprouts, fruit smoothies, and juices. Oh, good lord! You see all the pictures of her with with fruits and everything, and, and yeah, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. Oh my god! Even a jackfruit, it looks like. Yeah, it was a durian. It's a yeah. It's a durian. She only she ate only durian and jackfruit for seven years. Oh my god! Durian is the nastiest. Andrew Zimmerman will not eat this fruit. It stinks so bad. It's forbidden on tra- public transportation. How does anyone eat? durian fruit seriously ew yeah it's 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 just it, it, yeah i mean again and there's you know it's it's there's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with eating these things in moderation right and that, i think that's the thing right i mean if you, you start going in and you start uh you, you start talking to the real natives not the one not the ones that live in the cities but the ones that actually live out in the you know live out in the sticks and, and you know try to avoid uh the you know the, the people yeah they also uh you know they also get animals and stuff too, right? I mean, it's so uh, there's it's not they don't you know th- those are things that are also um you know they they eat them but they're but not you know not you know entirely right it's so you can yeah you might be able to get some health benefits in the short term by doing one of those diets but long term yeah you're gonna end up like her and that's a that's a that's a real issue so I yeah it's just it's you know they tell you that you need to take um you know you need to get some B you know you have to definitely take B12 right because that's a that's a that's that's something that only you can only get from animals folks you can only get you can only get your um you know that you have to take your your supplement you have to and there's i think there's a few other things too i mean honestly uh there's a whole cocktail of vitamins and stuff that you have to take when you eat this way which can easily be cut out if you just have a steak yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's just yeah. N- now this is uh, here, here's a this is the, the the article has this at the end. Last year, vegan Florida mother Sh- Sheila O'Leary of 30, 38 was sentenced to life in prison after starving her 18th month old son to death by feeding him only small amounts of fruits and vegetables. Dear oh, God, jeez, and just 
people. Okay. People have just lost their minds. Yes. Uh, people have just lost their minds. So I think, okay. So I think just kind of looking at the, kind of looking at, I'm going to, I'm going to skip down to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to skip down to the food section of our, of our, of our, uh, yeah, because our, our pedal heads aren't hungry enough right now with all the food talk that we've been having. Let's yes, add more. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so now, now there's a, there, apparently a change in access to fast food is linked to population health. Okay. Well, that doesn't, that, that also sounds like water is wet. Now working with the Christchurch health and, uh, and development study birth cohort, which is, uh, and I'm not going to attempt to pronounce that, uh, but, but it's some place in New Zealand, a uh, university of Canterbury, uh, uh, public, uh, public health senior lecturer and co-director of the GeoHealth laboratory, Dr. Matthew Hobbs and team investigated impacts on health around change in access to both fast food and supermarkets. He said the findings are important for population health. Now, relative to those who lived further away, people closer or with better access to supermarkets had the smallest increases in body mass index and waist circumference, the study found. The results are published in the journal Health and Place. Now, the study found evidence that people who lived closer to fast food outlets over the 10-year period had slightly larger increases in BMI and waistlines. And the study only measured changes in geographic access to food outlets and didn't look at other important aspects of the food environment, including, for example, price quality or actual use of facilities. I mean, you know. No, why would you want to look at that? No. And well, and also just, you know, keep in mind that the food quality in general has probably degraded over the last 10 years, right? And oh, we it, know it, for a fact we know it the has. We know the dietary guidelines. It's like, we didn't. So that's just kind of, but, but yeah, I mean, most likely if you, if you're, if your closest source of food is a, is a fast food place, yeah, you might, uh, yeah, you know, if, if you, you know, if it's especially, you, know, you might, uh, that might be how you get your food. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, there was even a guy that did a documentary where all he ate was McDonald's for, I don't know, a month or some shit. I just don't understand that. I don't understand how anyone, I mean, after having taken it out of my diet for the past, you know, year and a half, largely, because I'm not going to say I don't, you know, sometimes be bad and eat that fast food garbage, but for the most part, having taken it out of my diet, I mean, I used to eat fast food every single week religiously a few times, if not more. And now I just look at it like, that's just not food. How can you put that in your face and actually think you're eating something that tastes good or, you know, ugh, no, it has absolutely no purpose other than to form a turd. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I don't, I'm I'm curious about our what our what the what the purpose of our school lunch program is, which we which we covered on past episodes. Uh, now, that, that the claim that this article makes is the school meals would be healthier would be even healthier uh, if compliant with U.S. nutrition standards, the study finds. Now, um, this is, uh, there's so much bullshit in this article, but, but, then, but then just wait until we get it, wait until we redo what our, actual, what, our, what our schools are actually serving our kids here. Oh my God, it's obscene. It's obscene. Okay, so today's school meals are much healthier than they were for parents of American kids, but still one in four school meals are of poor nutritional quality. Now, the latest dietary guidelines for Americans in place for, in place for 2020 to 2025 calls for meals with less sugar and salt and with more whole grains. Now, the, the study's findings, which cannot prove the outcomes they describe, but are derived from a mathematical model, which means they're bullshit. <coughs> bullshit. 
Yeah, you know. and, and you know it just by that statement. Yes. So, based on the best available demographic and health data are, are timely given to the United States Department of Agriculture's recent commitment to updating the school meal nutrition standards to align with the 2020 to 2025 dietary guidelines. Now, fully synchronizing school meals with these new standards could positively impact hundreds of thousands of children into their adulthood. Again, there's that there's that there's that wiggle word crude means it's but it, it probably it means it probably won't because because the guy we know the guidelines are, are bullshit too right uh, absolutely but uh you know pot and it could yeah so um anyway but the, but the study's findings which again cannot prove the outcomes they describe but are derived from mathematical yeah i already i already yeah I've already, i think i've already said all that i've i've said that i copy pasted that uh multiple times i guess okay so See, this is what happens when you don't proofread your script yeah i sometimes said but i but i don't need to proofread this because this came from the local newspaper so this is so <laughs> That doesn't mean you don't need to proofread it. I've found plenty of grammatical and typographical yeah. errors in their published uh, the, in their this, publication. Yes, it's true. I think, and in some of the some of the places we uh, we uh, we borrow some content from for the show, uh, yeah, they, 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 people need to do some uh, writing here. But okay, so now I'm going to read to you. Okay, so remember that the previous article said so we, we could you know one in four school meals are of poor nutritional quality. So let me read to you. This is this is what the Cumberland County Schools in Tennessee here is is serving to our to do our youths. Uh, this this is the this is for the following week. And so on Monday, you get a choice of fresh made macaroni and cheese. The slaves could get used to mac and cheese. They get them or get them early. Popcorn chicken smackers, uh, peanut butter slash soy butter and jelly sandwiches, or assorted lunchables. Uh, how many of those how many of those meals are healthy? Uh, Absolutely none not of th- any of it. Yes. Now, and of course, you get a choice. And of- when the hell did we start offering fucking Lunchables as a lunch option for kids? Are you joking? That is nothing but processed meat, processed cheese, crackers, probably a, if you get the really fancy ones, they've got a sugar-laden juice pouch and a piece of candy. Yeah! We give a fuck about our kids' nutrition, don't we? Yeah, we do. And then, of course, now you get a, you get a choice of two of these, right? Uh, fresh carrots, green peas, mashed potatoes, or vegetable juice. Well, let's see. Fresh carrots, I don't know if the kids are going to do that. Green peas, I mean, eh, who knew? probably not. I'm sure the kids are going for the mashed potatoes all day, every day. Um, yeah, a choice of one, fresh cut apple slices or fresh whole fruit. Also a lot of sugar, but at least, you know, at least it's not. Yeah, okay. And then now, now Tuesday, you get you have taco quesadillas because you get taco Tuesday at school. Why not? Uh, choice of either taco quesadillas, corn ducks, peanut butter, soy butter, jelly sandwiches, grilled chicken salad with fresh pineapple or assorted Lunchables. Okay, I just want to cut to the chase on this. Every fucking day they offer peanut butter or soy butter and jelly sandwiches and And Lunchables. Lunchables. Yes, and and everything else, it's like, okay, so I'm just looking at this and I'm looking at these lunches and I'm going, none of this, I'm not going to, I'll have a picture of this in the show notes because of course I will. Um, And this, and we'll we'll have a, uh, we'll we'll have this up as a, a, you can, and if you're looking on a podcasting 2.0 app, you'll actually be able to see this. It'll be the, it'll be the picture that showing when the, when you're on this section of the of the podcast so i'm not gonna yeah i'm not gonna read the whole thing but you get you get the idea they're all you know it's like stuffed crust pizza hamburger breaded chicken sandwiches breaded mozzarella sticks and yeah anyway and lunchables and and yes yeah, so, uh yeah so it's just disgusting but all right but what is not disgusting is that we've actually that uh we may have we may see uh uh researchers find f- figuring out how to restore feeling and lasting movement in a man living with qu- quadriplegia 
which is, uh, you know, being, being paralyzed from the, way, from the chest down. Uh, in its first-of-its-kind clinical trial, bioelectronic medicine researchers, engineers, and surgeons at Northwell's, Northwell Health's the Feinstein Institutes for the Medical Research have, um, have successfully implanted microchips in the brain of a man living with paralysis and have developed artificial intelligence algorithms, oh boy, to relink his brain to his body and spinal cord. This double neuro bypass forms an electronic bridge that allows information to flow once again between the man's paralyzed body and brain to restore movement and sensations in his hand with lasting gains uh, in his arm movement and wrist outside of the laboratory. So literally, he's like the $6 million bionic man. There you go. Yes, that's true. And the research team unveiled the trial participants' groundbreaking progress four months after a 15-hour open brain surgery that took place on March 9th at North Shore University Hospital. Now, this is the first time the brain, body, and spinal cord have been linked together electronically in a paralyzed human to restore lasting movement and sensations, said Chad Boten, pre- uh, uh, professor in the Institute of Bioelectronic Bioelect- uh, Medicine at the Feinstein Institutes, vice president of advanced engineering at Northwell Health, developer of the technology and principal inventor of the clinical trial. Wow, that was a freaking mouthful. Um, and uh, well, when the, when, the, you know, when the study participant thinks about moving his arm or hand, we supercharge his spinal cord and stimulate his brain and muscles to help rebuild connections, provide sensory feedback, and promote recovery. This type of thought driven therapy is a game changer and our goal is to use this technology one day to give people living with paralysis the ability to live fuller more independent lives now um, remarkably researchers say the test subject keith thomas 45 of uh, massapequa new york is already starting uh, to see some natural recovery from his injuries thanks to this new approach which could reverse some of the damage for good his arm strength has more than doubled since enrolling in the study and he's beginning to experience new sensations in his forearm and wrist even when the system is off. So I think this should have been under the next segment because if this is actually successful, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I well there's there's a reason this is the last story in the section, right? Because it is because it is in fact a great lead-in for The key to life is a penis in your asshole. And here we got I think we got it. We got a we got a, a couple of uh, uh, nice stories here. So uh <laughs> A yeah. couple of, uh, you know, hitch it in the fields, squishies. Yeah, so now she, she lost her father's ashes, but a stranger digs four hours through trash to find them. Now, that, that, that sounds like a great, uh, uh, this, that's a, when it's a nice headline. Now, when Emily Dickerson lost a ring containing a jewel made of her father's ashes, an unlikely set of heroes emerged to return it to her. Now, the 17-year-old was out in San Antonio performing with her school choir when, at the end of the week, the organizers decided to take some 200 singers and band members to the beach at Corpus Christi. At the time, Dickerson was wearing four sentimental rings, the cremation ring, the one from her boyfriend, and two from her family members. Not wanting to lose them in the water, she hid them in a place where no potential thief idling would think to look, in the empty box from the Subway lunch Dickerson had just eaten. But in a case of out of sight, out of mind, during the hustle of the departure, she forgot about the Subway box and it ended up in a dumpster with 200 others just like it. And I realized where I'd left him, and I was in a complete panic, Dickerson told local news. I called my mom and told her the situation. I was a mess. Now, Dickerson's father died when she was just seven years old, and she wears the ring continuously, knowing that he is always there with her. Dickerson's mom, Tina Koch, uh, contacted the Department of Parks and Recreation in Corpus Christi, but it was by then 8 p.m. on a Friday. Now, leaving a desperate voicemail c- uh, 
Coke hoped, or Coke hoped without much hope that something, um, uh, that something might be done. Enter Laura Perez, the parks operations supervisor who listened to the voicemail first thing on Monday morning. Perez, according to the Washington Post, makes every effort to track down lost items, but she knew chances were slim in this case. Now, all, all the beach trash cans would be collected and deposited into a 40-yard dumpster slated for pickup at 8 a.m., and it was already half past the hour. Nevertheless, she called the staff cleaning up the, that session of the beach and was shocked to hear the dumpster was still there, at which point she ordered horses to be held and rushed for a little Monday morning dumpster diving oh, there you, there you go um jesse Martin, I, of course i think of dumpster diving in the in the, you know in in, in, the, in cyber security sense of things right so when you 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 get going through the dumpster to find the stuff that they threw away uh, yeah it's the kind of stuff that can be used to uh, i don't know get in you know at, at a big place like that right so um jesse martinez and robert trevino joined perez in combing through the trash uh left baking over the weekend nearly 100 100 uh, degrees fahrenheit heat they searched, oh that's gross yes they searched for hours until they came upon a bag with a with with this with the um with a safe with the subway boxes and then methodically began opening them one by one until at last a purple jewel shined in the morning light it was the, it was in the last bag we went through perez told the post i was so excited to let her know we're talking about four rings and a hot nasty dumpster coke told the post in, in the aftermath i'm blown away i don't have enough praise for these people as it happened they only found uh, the cremation ring first but despite coke's pleadings they kept on searching until a half an hour later they had turned up all three that, yeah, hot garbage. Yeah, that's definitely yeah, no joke. Ew. Yes, hot and garbage. Honestly, I mean that's really sweet that she went above and beyond to make sure this girl got her ring back. That is really sweet. There is hope for humanity yet. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so uh, we've got. Um, let's see. We've got uh, one. We we got okay. We got one. We got one more story here before we get to the cavalcade of stupidity. Um, and so, man helps barbers fill their shops with books to help kids find excitement in reading. Now, one day in the Bronx, a first grade teacher sat down in a barber shop for a trim, and one of his students walked in, sat down, and started looking antsy. Now, he thought to himself, it was a perfect opportunity to practice reading. I thought that had changed Alvin Irby's uh, life. And in five years' time, he's filling dozens of barbershops around the country with free books to trim back childhood illiteracy. Yeah. It's good. To, yeah, reading reading is fundamental, as they used to say on those old, uh, on those old PSAs back in the day, right? Uh, his nonprofit, Barbershop Books, has delivered 50,000 free books to more than 200 barbershops in predominantly black neighborhoods in 24 states, leveraging the fact that in black Americ American communities, barbershops are like community centers where people congregate aggregate naturally and that's really true yeah um key to the reading spaces are bookshelves that display the covers of the books rather than the spines, helping kids who may be interested in reading seize the opportunity for themselves, whether they are in the barber's chair or they were just waiting on their dad or friend. Now, Irby um, teaches um, the barbers in all the shops how to encourage kids to read, such as by asking if they like to read or what they think about one of the books in the shop. The barbers are key uh, for another reason as well. Now, we were putting books in a male-centered space, Irby told CNN. Less than 2% of teachers are black males, and many black boys are raised by single moms black boys don't see black men reading now at the heart at heart the idea is not just about enriching a child's mind but improving their proficiency in school well irby who teaches kindergarten and first grade says is pretty much the only place kids see reading happening he said that if the only time a kid practices piano is at the piano lesson his progress is going to be really really slow 
At the moment, he's developing a school curriculum uh, ad- addition to help students identify their own reading preferences. Keeping the theme with with black culture, the program is called Reading So Lit. Yeah, the show is so lit, but... Uh, um, and, uh, now, helping pre-K to five students explore, understand, and, and articulate their reading preferences increases self-awareness and social awareness. And Reading So Lit uses self-assessments in AI, oh boy, to generate actionable strength-based data about the reading content and conditions that students find personally meaningful and engaging. It's already been successfully trialed in schools. But, uh, you know, as sophisticated as the program is, Irby's passion is still derived from interactions like the one who, which started it all. The kid that, 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 or the kind that take place in the barbershop. I think it's really great that he took an active role in getting this program started. I think it's really important to have books available for kids. And, you know, Dolly Parton has that whole thing where she's donated like a ton of books to some kind of program she has. And I mean, that's just really great, you know, to get kids reading and stuff, but you know, what's also great. Yeah. This cavalcade of stupidity that we do. Yeah. Which we, which unfortunately we have not gotten a track from, uh, from Rev. However, what I'm that's going, okay. However, you, you really, you realize what I'm going to do though, because I, because I plan for this, because this is, this is the kind of professional I am. Uh, where we are going, I, I'm going to play a track. So I actually, I have, I, there's a little bit of, maybe a little bit of a story, uh, you know, the, the little bit of a story that goes with, that goes with this, um, because I actually have this, uh, that I actually have this on vinyl and it turns, it turns out the reason I have it on vinyl is because, uh, they were, when I first went in, when the Goodwill first opened up here in Crossville, I actually, um, and, and I, I went in there and they'd had some vinyl. I went through it and I found, uh, this, this album, um, and it's, and it's, and it's got some, it's got some Rodney Dangerfield uh, stand up on it, but there's a song that he did and, and I, and I knew about the song cause it was played on Dr. Demet. The album was released in I think 1983, right? So yes, n- nothing like seeing Rodney Dangerfield with a with a with a boombox on his shoulder looking. You know, it's just so wrong. It's just, it's just, there's, it's wrong on so many levels. However, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this. He uh, looks like an old hood rat. Well, he is kind of an old hood rat. But we're going to play this. We're going to play this uh, track, uh, and we'll play a little bit of this track uh, that I think is uh, I think is worthwhile here. I tell you, I'm all right now, but last week I was in rough shape. I don't get a break with nothing. I played hide and seek when I was three. No respect, no respect. Why they wouldn't even look for me? No respect, no respect. I was an ugly kid, I never had fun. No respect, no respect. They took me to a dog show and I won. No respect, no respect. When I was born, I brought no joy. No respect, no respect. My old man said he wanted a boy. No respect, no respect. I was an ugly kid, always alone. No respect, no respect. Halloween, I had a trick or treat over the phone. No respect, no respect. Friends don't call, my phone don't ring. I don't get a break with anything. What's the matter, Rodney? Ah, death, where is my sting? It's just rapping, Rodney. Ain't wrapped your tight, no, no. Rapping, Rodney. Get out of sight, it's just rapping, Rodney. Make no mistake, poor old rapping, Rodney. 
Okay, there we go. All yeah, right. we'll play the yeah, we'll, uh, the whole yeah we'll play the song whole in we'll, Studio yeah, Thirty Three. We'll play the whole song in Studio Thirty Three, of course. But yes, we might. We okay. We've now done this. Uh, so um, okay, so I think um, all right. I, I think we're we're gonna have we have a uh, so I, I it's a little to, different today how we're gonna do toast yeah, We're gonna have a pr- couple personal yeah, we've stories. Actually, we've but actually, we got, actually have some stories, actual media stories. We've actual about media stories because we're about rideshare because yeah, that, because uh, you know my part my uh, podcasting partner in crime does this uh, you know quite uh, quite a bit. You know she she drives yes, so I she, do. So you know we have a subject matter expert here, and so oh, we found God, a couple. Don't get we, that rumor started. Uh, yeah, well, you know, what, what 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 is the definition of an expert? You just proclaim you're an expert. Precisely. Exactly. So, um, so yes. Um, in any case, um, so Uber is headed to court after a San Francisco bicycle bicyclist refuses a million dollar settlement. Oh, okay. So Uber Technologies is headed to court to defend itself against a bicyclist doored by a driver's vehicle on a busy street in a bike-friendly San Francisco. Uh, probably not that bike-friendly anymore since they're not even doing the uh, enforcing traffic laws. Uh, the first such case to go to trial in California on claims that the company usually settles privately. Now, uh, Edgar Veralde, uh, uh, 64, refused to settle out of court for injuries he alleged he sustained after being hit by the door uh, uh, of a passenger ex Sitting, uh, an Uber vehicle, turning down a $1 million offer from Uber in exchange for keeping quiet about the incident. Instead, he's intent on bringing the case to a trial that is set to start Thursday. Now, uh, Uber tends to settle personal injury claims against its drivers out of court in public view. Uh, Velarde is seeking many millions in damages from Uber and promises to expose lies he says the rideshare company told him and details of the lack of training it provides to its drivers. And I can attest to this because this is a little BOTG, having been an Uber driver for roughly six years. Yes, they provide a video that you are quote-unquote required to watch, but much like a video in a college class that's online, you just turn the video on and let it play while you're doing anything fucking else. Now, some people, like myself, have actually watched these videos, although I have audibly rolled my eyes a time or two while doing so because it is important to make sure that you're giving the best customer experience not being a bootlicker there sir bemrose uh just putting it out there yeah, the, the boot looking is for the is for another segment uh, that we'll get to in a little bit here. So Uber told us that they will not settle with us unless it's a confidential settlement. So Velarde and I would have to give up our right to ever talk to anybody about what happened, said Michael Stevenson, uh, Velarde's uh, lawyer. Now we we aren't willing to do that. Now. Velarde's lawsuit stems from an accident that occurred in 2018. The immigrant from Peru was biking home from his cafeteria job at a downtown San Francisco hotel when an Uber stopped ahead of him in a no-stopping zone. As he passed the car, Velarde was stuck by by the rear passenger door. Landing on his back, he says, his head hit the sidewalk. Though he was wearing a helmet, he sued Uber, arguing brain trauma has left him unable to work. The Uber driver left the scene, according to Stevenson. Now, besides Velarde's resistance to Uber's demand that he remained quiet about the accident. Stevenson said he also believed the company owed, owed him more than $1 million. In pretrial testimony, Velarde said that he had drained his savings, lost his job and future income and ability to support his family. In, a, in an attempt to get the case thrown out, Uber argued in court filing that Sh- Sharon Eric, the driver of the car for uh, Velarde, was struck by, had pulled over close enough to the curb that he was surprised the bicyclist could pass him. Velarde nevertheless attempted to squeeze through, Uber said, adding that Eric didn't tell 
Dallas passenger Aaron Mortensen to open his door. Uber also argued that there's no evidence that Eric violated any law by dropping Mortensen off in the no-stopping lane. A San Francisco judge last year rejected Uber's request to dismiss the case, finding that the questions of where Eric decided to drop off his passengers, his failure to check the car's mirrors, or warn the passenger about how to exit his vehicle are facts for a jury to decide. Now, Eric... And again, I'm going to weigh in on this. There is not a time that I'm not looking in those mirrors when my passenger gets ready to get out because, yeah, people are fucking stupid and they don't pay attention. And at the same point in time, mm, yeah, the driver is kind of responsible in so much as if you are dropping someone off or picking someone up in a no parking, no stopping, whatever zone. Yeah, that's a direct violation of a traffic law. So I don't understand how Uber seems to think that. It's not the driver's fault. It fucking clearly is partially the driver's fault for stopping somewhere they should not have stopped. Now, I do understand the being close to the curb thing. Oh, how'd the bicycle squeeze by? Dude, I see it every day. Worse over, I see it with other vehicles that barely have enough room to get by, but they are going to squeeze their way in or squeeze their way out. It is human nature because everybody's in a hurry. Yeah. So... Now, Eric, the owner of, of the Prius that struck a, the, um, this is, there's, I swear, if, if this was, if this was copy pasted from that article, yeah, we, we've got some real issues, folks, with, with, with the fuck that stuff that comes out of the fucking, um, out of our, out of our shit, uh, you know, out, out of the, out of our journalists, so-called journos. Yeah. So Eric, the owner of the Prius that struck Velarde and a co-defendant in the lawsuit against Uber and a witness in the trial lives in Contra Costa County in the East Bay. So it's a little bit, so uh, yeah, it's, it's nearby. Yeah, so, and in pretrial testimony that serves as a preview of what jurors are likely to hear at trial, Eric said that the safety information Uber imparts to his drivers is forgettable. When he signed up, Eric testified Uber didn't require him to attend any safety training or meetings, either in person or, or online. Now, I don't really recall any of that stuff, Eric testified, in response to questions about what he observed from videos Uber provided on its app, explaining how drivers should pick up, drive, and drop off passengers. You don't really have to watch it, he said. No. Well, you do, because you won't be able to go online and drive till you certify that you have watched it. Yeah. So a few of those statements are, in my opinion... Incorrect, because you are required to watch a safety training video and you have to certify that you did so. You know, whether you absorbed something from it or not, that's not the fucking point. The point is Uber did their job. (laughs) Mind you, I say this rather backhandedly, but Uber did their job. By making sure that there was a little fucking video on how to safely do this, that, and the other thing. So, I, I really don't see Uber coming out of this without it costing them a metric shit ton of money. And I frankly think it's fucking hilarious because fuck Uber. Yeah, well... Yeah, and, and there's some stuff in the next story that might also that that, that wasn't explored in, in in the story that we're we're talking about here that I think might might also be interesting uh, f- facts about about the platform. Now, now Stevenson said that Uber recently uh, has repeatedly misled him, beginning with his claim five years ago that no drivers for the company were in the vicinity of the accident. Uh, though through court orders requiring the company turn over information, Stevenson said it turned out there were eight Uber drivers in the area. Eventually, he found Eric. It took us over three years to find this information that uber had on day one stevenson said now of course they should know um it's much like the 
complaint Lyft got that I supposedly said something against a protected class. And then after a circle jerk of words with this fucktard and him telling me, oh, we don't know what was said. I'm like, then how are you fucking coming at me saying I supposedly said something, but you don't know what it is I said? Somebody fucking knows. Yeah. And I want to fucking know who that person is. And I want to talk to him. I yeah. want to know what I supposedly said. Yeah. This this guy was not winning. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in an unusual twist, Stevenson said uh, Velarde received a call and a letter from Lyft's insurers asking him about a claim he made with the rideshare company. According to Stevenson, someone representing Uber lodged uh, lodged uh, Velarde's injur- injury claim with his competitor, Lyft. That's and, and Lyft didn't respond to a request for comment. That's just too fucking funny. That has got to be the epic dick move of the century that a rep from Uber calls Lyft and goes, uh, yeah, so I want to file a complaint. Are you fucking kidding me? What? <laughs> Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah. That is a truth is stranger than fiction situation. Okay. Well, now, meanwhile, this is actually this this story. This story, I can't even believe this fucking story. This is this is. Are you fucking kidding? This is the way we're heading, y'all. Wait, you hear this? Okay. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you do this story because this is this 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 is just. Yeah, I, it really is fucking ridiculous. So the backup Uber driver for a self-driving vehicle that killed a pedestrian in suburban Phoenix in 2018 pleaded guilty Friday to endangerment in the first fatal collision involving a fully autonomous car. First of all, how are you calling this shit fully autonomous if you have to have a human backup driver? That bugs the shit out of me. But continuing on, Maricopa County Superior Court Judge David Gar. Garbarino, who accepted the plea agreement, sentenced Rafaela Vasquez, 49, to three years of supervised probation for the crash that killed 49-year-old Elaine Hertzberg. Vasquez told police that Hertzberg came out of nowhere and that she didn't see Hertzberg before the March 18, 2018 collision on a darkened Tempe street. Vasquez has been charged with negligent homicide, a felony. She pleaded guilty to an undesignated uh, felony, meaning it could be reclassified as a misdemeanor if she completes probation. Authorities say Vasquez was streaming the television show The Voice on a phone and looking down in the moments before Uber's Volvo XC90 SUV struck Hertzberg, who was crossing with her bicycle. Prosecutors previously declined to file criminal charges against Uber as a corporation. The National Transportation Safety Board concluded Vasquez's failure to monitor the road was the main cause of the crash. The defendant had one job and one job only, Prosecutor Tiffany Brady told the judge, and that was to keep her eyes on the road. And I agree with that, by the way. So the contributing factors cited by the NTSB included Uber's inadequate safety procedures and ineffective oversight of its drivers. Hertzberg's decision to cross the street outside of a crosswalk and the Arizona Department of Transportation's insignificant insufficient oversight of autonomous vehicle testing. The board also concluded Uber's deactivation of its automatic emergency braking system increased the risks associated with testing automated vehicles on public roads. Instead of the system, Uber relied on the human backup driver to intervene. See, the, the thing I have with that is, what's the fucking point of 
having a fully autonomous vehicle if you have to have a human backup driver and you've disabled all that safety shit. It, it makes no sense to me. This this story, no wonder Phone Boy wanted me to cover it because it just is so fucking dumb that you just kind of do the RCA dog thing. Like, what? Yeah. So here, okay, but I, and I think I can explain why, the, okay, I can explain why they have a, a, a driver in the car, right? No, I know yeah. the real technical reasons why. Yeah. It's an well, annoyance they're more, they're, factor, well, they're more, though. They're more legal reasons, right? Because... You know, and it's 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 a, it's a, it's a question. If you had a fully auto- okay, so this this is so you know this is this is this is the thought exercise, right? If you have a fully autonomous vehicle that doesn't have a person in it, if the car crashes, who's at fault? Well, okay. Yeah, who do but, you sue? Right. But wait, no, 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 wait. There are vehicles that are fully autonomous. Don't you remember the story about the one that stopped in the middle of an emergency scene and the cop, there's a famous video on YouTube of the cop losing his fucking mind screaming at this car and there's nobody in the car. There are vehicles that are completely fully autonomous yeah, but who, that yeah, don't but, have backup drivers. Yes, I mean, that's what I'm saying is, okay, in that situation, right, that, that exact situation, if the car, if the car does something who do, who do you sue, right? Who is re, who is ultimately responsible for that if car? The that's that's from from a, you know, from a legal the standpoint. The person who's operating the car in so much as the company that owns the car well, the programming. They, they, okay, here's the thing. That I mean, you been, asked a question. Yeah, that hasn't been codified into law. That's one of the reasons why that these cars are not legal because generally, right, when when a if if a car does something, its driver is the one who's typically responsible for what that car did, right? I understand that. I'm not saying that this driver does not have any responsibility in so much as if she was supposed to be making sure knowing and if, first of all, okay, we don't know whether the driver knew if the backup system or the emergency braking system or whatever the automated thing we don't know if she knew it was disabled or not it's not exactly something you would expect a company to be like hey we're putting you in this car so that you uh replace a safety feature that we could easily have on it why not have that safety feature on it in addition to having a physical driver that what that's what bugs the shit out of me about this story yeah i mean this it's yeah it, it is there's a lot of yeah the, it, and you know of course if you look at the, the this uh, yeah anyway i just i think that this uh this yeah i mean the real the real person who's in, in you know in trouble here i think is uber right i mean seriously for you know, that's I mean, that, I'm surprised that Uber's not the one being sued here for the for the car. It's the it's the you know, it's the pa- it's the uh, you know, the the passenger uh, the alleged driver kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I, I think that there is a major mishandling of this particular case. Yeah, exactly. So, um, OK, so where are but here's we at, the thing, uh, though. OK, yeah. Hertzberg's death was the first involving an autonomous test vehicle, but not the first in a car with some self-driving features. The driver of a Tesla Model S was killed in 2016 when his car, operating on its autopilot system, crashed into a semi-truck in Florida. If you ask me, that's karma. Uh, Nine months after Hertzberg's death, in December 2019, two people were killed in Cali when a Tesla on autopilot ran a red light, slammed into another car. Uh, That driver was charged in 2019 22 with vehicular manslaughter <laughs> in what was believed to be the first felony case against a motorist who was using a, partic- a partially automated driving system. Uh, that's a case of fuck around and find out. Why would you ever put your car on full autopilot and be like, I'm going to be in the back seat here taking a nap. Now, this is for real. 
There was a guy who got stopped, like, I think three times in the same day because he programmed his Tesla to be on autopilot to drive him home because he was really tired after a business trip or some shit like that. And the car got stopped like three separate times because the cops seen this car driving with nobody in the driver's seat. So just thought I would add that in there. So in Arizona, the Uber system detected Hertzberg 5.6 seconds before the crash, but it failed to determine whether she was a bicyclist, pedestrian, or unknown object or that she was headed into the vehicle's path, the board said. Now, the back driver was there to take over the vehicle if the systems failed. Here's the problem. The fucking system wasn't in place. It says earlier in there that they had disabled the automated emergency braking system. So how does it fail if it's fucking disabled? Or is that the failure in and of itself? Asking for a friend. So Vasquez had previously spent more than four years in prison for two felony convictions, making false statements when obtaining unemployment benefits and attempted armed robbery before starting work as an Uber driver, according to the court records. So that's great. So ultimately, Uber never fucking bothered. Oh, do you have a criminal record? Nope. Squeaky clean, folks. Here you go. Go drive some fucking people around. Oh, yeah. Go watch your little fucking faggot goddamn voice. While the fucking car that you're sitting in the driver's seat of and supposed to be actually, you know, making sure it does its job. Yeah, just uh, do that. And oh, by the way, enjoy jail, bitch. Because, yeah, that's where she should be is in jail, not on probation. Her negligence led to the death of another person because she was watching some stupid ass streamed show. Yeah, that ass should be in jail not walking around being a nuisance to the world yeah um okay yeah that was yeah it's just yeah this lady looked like a real winner that's all i'll say um yeah i saw the picture of her i was like whoa yeah no no seriously though i have a lot of passengers who especially if i'm working late at night or early in the morning or whatever they're like you know i'm really glad that i got a female driver because I'm always afraid, you know, we hear all these stories. I'm like, I totally understand that. But at the same time, I'm sure that there's drivers out there of the female persuasion who are probably fucking bananas and like serial killers in hiding or something. This bitch looks like one of those fucking people. I'm just going to say. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, um, so we, we now have a, a new uh, we have a new person here in, in Shea Lotus. We do. We have welcomed my mom, Mama Phoenix. Yeah. Or Phoenix's mom, whatever y'all call her. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, Vox nicknamed her. Um, yeah. What did Ma- The matriarch. Yeah, the matriarch. Yes. That's right. So, so it's Mama Matriarch. Yeah. Yes. She is now residing with us for the foreseeable future. Because as I was talking about when we were talking about the vegans, how like ultra death skinny. And anorexic and shit, this chick that just died, the influencer. Yeah, that's how super unbelievably skinny my mom was getting because she just was not eating and nobody had the time to take care of her at 
you know, my friend's house where she was living. And I get it. You know, it's not my friend's mom. It's not her responsibility to take care of her. And it's also not my son's responsibility, even though it is his grandmother. So ultimately, I'm like, you know what? There's no options. I cannot watch her waste away and ultimately die from the fact she's just not eating enough for her body to sustain itself. And she's starting to lose muscle mass. You know, we talk about the whole shit during Ozempic. She looks like she's been on Ozempic with all that muscle mass loss and i'm just like yeah there's there this is not a question this is not a hesitation i found out about it and the next day i had her and all her stuff that she needed to bring with her in my car and moving her into the house and she's doing fantastic with she's eating every day because i told her i'm like look we don't have a lot of rules but um a few things that you are going to do is you're going to get yourself on a sleep schedule you're going to take a shower at least every other day, and you're going to eat several times a day. And it's going to be nutritious, protein-rich foods, not this hot, fresh garbage that you've been allowed to consume while you've been at so-and-so's house. I'm like, I, no, done. There will be no cheating. There will be no sugar. There will be no grains, seed oils, garbage, trash panda food. Not going to happen. And she's been doing really great. We, we, uh, she wanted to do a pre-weight and picture like Phone Boy had done. And she wants to do an after. So we're all pulling for Mama Phoenix, the Mama Matriarch, to gain some weight and get her strength back so that I can have some degree of the old mom that I had where she looks healthy, she feels good, she's got energy. And also we're really hoping that the the pain in her face is going to start going away and make it a better quality of life for her because she really does deserve it. Yeah. And, and we know from past times where she stayed at a, stayed with us for, you know, an extended period of time that it, it does that actually does get better. Right. So, right. And exactly. we don't, we don't, you know, we never, we didn't get to fully, you know, make it go away, but, uh, you know, because, because eventually that, the, you know, the sh- we, we gave her back and, and yeah. And yeah. So. And it wasn't, there, there wasn't support of it being continued and I'm not even going to get into the sort of details. I'll just say that. I'm just, I'm not, I'm happy to have her here. I like having her here, but the circumstances under which this all went down and the cause of which causes me annoyance. But again, yeah, I'm yeah. not airing that out. No, we don't, no, we don't need, yeah, there, there's, there's some business that does not need to be aired out on that the air. That is the truth. Yeah, so, but, but, but you no, know what I, does I, need to be aired is I'm, this vinyl addiction we have. Yeah, with this vinyl addiction. So what was the vinyl that actually came today? ZZ Top Eliminator. Oh, okay. Because so, I got the little... from ebay saying it had been delivered yes so so it has not actually been opened yet because we were literally getting that which will facilitate what i'm slow cooking in my vagina for dinner um we were rushing around right before time to get on air and we also didn't know you know when adam was going to be done it turns out he did about an hour so we were more than clear to start this shit show on time. And we actually pretty much made it. Yeah, we did. We but did. yeah, our vinyl addiction has gotten hella out of control. Uh, yeah, because yeah, because la- because yeah, one of the things we did last Sunday was we went to McKay's, which we haven't done in a while, um, and uh, and uh, we had oh, a great goddamn time. We, yeah, and, and a lot of, and then that that caused more vinyl to be purchased on it eBay, did. and so yeah, there there yes. there's there's still vinyl that, that has been purchased or on watches or whatever that is still going to show well, up. It's one of those things that when I looked at the price McKay's wanted, I would go on eBay and go. I can fucking get that for less on an auction that nobody's watching because I'm a fucking eBay sniper. And so 
we got probably 10 or 15. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of things. And I will, I, yeah, there's, I've been posting pictures of them on no agenda social, um, for sure. And I think that's a, that's a, but yeah, we, so yes, yeah, I think we kind of looked at each other after, after we realized how much money that was spent. We went, holy fucking shit. Like, uh, okay, I think we're going to, I think we're going to be Ixnay on the, the, the Inal Bay for a while. Yeah. Well, uh, that red octopus, I failed. Okay. Uh, I ran out of time. Yeah. I got the notification and did not get a chance to scoop it before the auction ended because I was busy doing shit we'll talk about after. But irrelevant to the fact, we got, let's see, we got Manfred Mann, Roaring Sound of Silence, got ZZ Top Eliminator, uh, Traffic, Low Spark of High Heel Boys. Uh, what else? Uh, some I got Alan Parsons. I got, I got, yeah, I got some Alan Parsons. I got some, um, now the, what was it? What was the one? No, the, um, yeah, I'm trying to, God, I'm trying to remember. Uh, Bob Seeger, I think we got some. Yes, Like a Rock. Like a Rock. Um, no, but there's all, yeah, I think, I feel like there was a Led Zeppelin in there somewhere, but no, that might have been one that came no, before. No, that was one that came before. There was no Zeppelin purchased in our recent acquisition. Of no, vinyl. there was, uh, yeah, I think there, there, there's some Eagles. Yeah, I think we, I th- oh, yeah, uh, on the border. Yeah, that's what I but yeah, there we go. We got lots of so I've I've been uh, yeah, so that's I've been exploring my 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 new musical collection. And there's still stuff in transit that we have not yet gotten. I mean, we we have won it auction-wise, but we have not uh, had yeah. it delivered. Yeah. So, we actually started the speaking of vinyl, we actually started a new thing since my mom has been here where we will put music on during dinner. And she really digs it, which is great because it was it was kind of one of those things that because Phoneboy and I had gotten really lazy and we would eat dinner in front of mindless television, as we called it. So, you know, some Bob Barker, Price is Right and some uh, supermarket sweep and shit. So when mom got here, I'm like, yeah, we need to tighten up our game. So we're going to be eating dinner at the table like we're supposed to. And then like the first night she was here, something, I think a piece of vinyl had come in or whatever. And we were just like, yeah, let's pop that on during dinner. And then it just kind of kept going. (laughs) So every night, except for tonight, although Technically tonight we will have music at dinner because we'll be in Studio Thirty Three when dinner's prepared. Yeah, so we all, but uh, but yeah, we're gonna be. Oh, eating that was a another su- one. Yeah, Ohio Players. Yes, we got Ohio Players. So my my song when I go down to cook will be on original vinyl and some Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. That's that's yep, right. Yeah, got, got some bad reputation. Great, great finds. Yeah, so we got we got some stuff. So yeah, the more I'm sure we'll have more vinyl at some point. But uh, but uh, one thing we we also have too, um, farmers market. We actually- we had holy shit a great goddamn time at farmers market. So. We literally went, and you need to check your phone while we're doing this, while I'm telling them about Farmer's Market. So we went and saw our local farmers and kind of got an update on some stuff. Got multiple um, multiple dozen eggs from Casey Farms because now that's one great way my mom likes eggs. So we're like, oh, fucking fat bat. So we feed her like eggs almost every single morning with some degree of breakfast meat and deliciousness. And she's like I said, she's just she's knocking it out of the park. It's my favorite breakfast cereal. It is. We had bacon and eggs this morning. But above and beyond that, we 
saw one of our awesome farmers. You've heard me talk about him before, Phil from Soulshine. And he is getting me, I believe it's a half a bushel of beets. He has them for me, which is what uh, Phone Boy was checking on because we're, we're in text with him. He... Uh, because I was literally going to buy like everything he had on his table for beets. And he was like, instead of that, he's like, I can give you a great deal on like half a bushel with no tops. I'm like, fat bet. Because these beets are gorgeous. And I'm going to pickle them. So yeah, it's got a little bit of sugar in it. Forgive me, Lord, for I have snacked. I fucking love pickled beets. And I assure you, there is much more pickle than there is sugar in these beets. My, they're my grandmother's recipe and they're so delicious. But anyways, above and beyond that, I wanted to make a salad because a couple of our um let's see one of the farms the the place oh my god hummingbird hill has these onions they're called candy onions they are so beautiful they're like what an onion looks like without that outer like a uh, skin on it they're smooth and they're, they're just gorgeous. I'm sorry. I, the chef in me is having a moment. But nonetheless, so we saw them. We got some uh, cucumbers from them and these little, uh, yeah, they're yellow cherry tomatoes. So we got a, a carton of those. And I was like, oh, okay, we need to find some lettuce. Well, nobody had any lettuce. So we ended up going to the big farmer's market, which is in town proper. And not only did I get some lettuce, my mom got some mushroom tea. So hopefully that'll help her with her breathing. But also, I'm excited. I got like about a half a bushel of green beans. And they are officially in jars. The quarts have already been processed. And the pints will be processed during Studio 33 while I'm cooking dinner. So we ended up with six quarts and 11 pints altogether of fresh green beans that I got ready and will complete by the time Studio 33 is uh, swing-a-ding-dinging. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, lots of great stuff. And, yeah, and ended up also having to do, yeah, that was, so we got, yeah, we got those, uh, we, yeah, we we all worked together to get all that stuff. Uh, yes, you know. I, I literally had Phone Boy and my mom breaking the ends off the beans and I was popping them and snapping them into the number, not, not the number, fucking the size that we wanted. And then while he was running to Walmart for an important piece of our dinner prep, I was stuffing them in jars and getting them all ready to go into the canner. And then I looked at 3.30 and I had just started the first of two rounds of pints and went, yeah, um, I'm not leaving mom in charge of this fucking pressure canner. She needs rest. Uh, I'm going to turn this off. I'll restart it when we do yeah, exa 33. Exactly. So that's ultimately what I'm preparing to do yeah. for that. Yes. So, um, yeah, so we had a great, yeah. Oh, yeah, and we got, oh, my gosh, you posted a picture of it, the honey that we bought. And I know, we talk about the fact that we don't consume sugar. Honey is the only thing we actually allow ourselves moderately to have. But we found some honey, and Phone Boy is going to post the picture in the chat. Yeah, I'm going to have to. Yeah, it's it is a local honey. Um, I, I can't. There's there's a word. It's not apothecary. Uh, apiary, I believe. Um, so there's a local apiary, and it has a 33 in its name. So we were like, oh, that's a sign from the universe. We need to get some of this. So we bought, I think it's a quart of honey. We're not going to need honey for a while. But then again, our friends at DeBell, uh, Jeff, is recovering from surgery. So we wish him all the karma for health and all the best for a speedy recovery. But they are not 
uh, currently at the farmer's market, even though they're actually the ones kind of responsible for running it. Uh, yeah, while he's healing, we have not seen them. So we had to find a different place to procure honey. So the universe really provided for us today. And we're very thankful for that. Yeah, and I got. I'm, I'm trying to post. I'm trying to post this because I posted it to Naz earlier. There so, you go. Yeah, I was. I had posted it to the No Agenda room accidentally, and I didn't mean to do that. I also need to put this in our show notes. I think this is the. This is the. Uh, um, yeah, because I need to. Yeah, I need to make sure that this goes in our show notes because this is. Uh, uh, yeah, the the, the the honey. Yes, because we bought that because it because it has because get... it has thirty because it has thirty three as the is because you know thirty three right it's, it does it, it, thirty three bees made that honey apparently uh, that's right and, and we appreciate every one of those 33 bees thank you for your courage buzzy boys that's right so so now, ultimately though uh weirdo says don't use a metal spoon to dip your honey it's detrimental to the chemistry so we need to get a wooden honey dipper oh my god twist my arm wah Yes, exactly. Well, okay. Well, you can uh, way I twist my arm. Uh, so you can uh, that. Yeah, we we've actually got voicemails to play. We've got a bunch of them uh, because we, because uh, we got some we got some calls in. Uh, we we had two call. They had two calls that came in at the end of the show yesterday. Uh, last last time we were on. That's the air. right. Because we, we have awesome pedal heads yeah, so at we, all we, points we, in time. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we, we've got. Uh, let's see. This is um, okay. So we're gonna we're gonna do this one. Um, this is this is one that actually came, as I say, it came at the end of Saturday. So it's about last week's. Uh, uh, last week's. Uh, 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 yeah, it's yeah. last week's topic. Whether of, or not you like coffee, tea, and how you take it. That's right. So here's the first one. Here's the first voicemail. Yo yo yo. All right. So coffee. I like it black. Uh, like an americano. Or just your regular old drip coffee. But something I tried recently is a drip coffee with a shot of espresso. That'll get you going. Um, tea. Don't really drink tea unless, um, unless I'm getting a little, you know, upset stomach from, from coffee. Sometimes I don't know what it is, but I get like maybe milk. I don't know if it's the milk in coffee sometimes. It gives me gas. And not the kind of gas that comes out of my ass, but like, like chest gas. Like I feel like I'm dying slightly. But uh, yeah, so I'll stick to black coffee a lot of times because of that. Just put a little bit of honey in there. Makes it taste real nice. Um, yeah, that's my preference. You know. That's uh, yeah, black coffee a lot of times. Yeah, and you don't, you don't, you can put a little bit of honey in there, but I mean, I you shouldn't be okay, putting anything honey in there. coffee. Is it? Fuck you! I know. I said it again. Yeah, and coffee. coffee. God yeah. Damn it. Yes. Yeah. You're this, this, this your New England keeps coming out, honey. I'm telling you that word. I need to work on it. But the point is, putting honey in coffee is gross. I've tried it. It's not appealing. In tea, it's lovely. It's just not in coffee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess it, it, it's. Yeah. They, those flavors don't always go together. But we are going to play the next step. We got. We got. We have another voicemail on that topic, and we're going to go ahead and play that right now uh, as we as we as we do it. Uh, this week's question is tea or coffee, and I'm going to give you both because I'm extra like that. Uh, coffee would be just regular drip black. Uh, if I'm doing tea, it's going to be unsweetened iced tea because sugar is bad for you. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much, Empress Emily. Yeah, but yeah, thank and you. Yeah, a lot of people apparently, phone boy, are into the whole black coffee thing. So I, 
hey, you know what? Good on you. Yeah, exactly. I, I like mine with the moo, but it's okay. Because I will say, when I was driving truck and I had the cans of the Costco coffee and I needed to make room for my moo, I did have to take a couple of good gulps of black coffee and it was not the worst. I mean, push come to shove, I could drink it if it was cold. I don't think I could do hot black coffee. I think there's just something in it. Like, to me, it doesn't taste the same hot as it does cold. But I do love my coffee, absolutely. But I also enjoy a good cup of tea once in a while. Some Twinings, English breakfast, or uh, the vanilla, what is it, fireside vanilla? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Spice or whatever it is. I really like that one. But a little little cream in both of those. A little honey. Mm Mm-hmm. It's an experience, especially that uh, that fireside vanilla yeah. spice with a little bit of honey and cream. To me, it tastes like rice pudding. So, all right. Meanwhile, we are going to go back. We're going to go to the next voicemail. We still have it. So you can you can sound off on this topic. What What, what is your least favorite restaurant and why? Um, the, uh, we'd like to hear from you at 253-237-3321. If you're listening to this in the future, uh, in other words, you're not listening live at, uh, at 4 p.m. Central on a Saturday, which is when we when we do the show. That's uh, right. On LotusEffect.stream if you want to, if you want to tune in. Uh, yeah, the, yeah the, the, you can still call in and, and call about this later and sometime in the future you know future us will appreciate hearing from current you so um you know you should do make it. it so do eat that's right now so meanwhile we have a we, we have a voicemail and if you if you have not uh, already got your voicemail in uh, this is now your chance this is now your chance to get it in two five three two three seven three three two one yeah here you go just like this caller did well well it's a fact with phoenix and phone boy what's up it's weirdo um, what's up dude so the question is What's our um, least favorite restaurant? Um, mine overall has to be McDonald's. I absolutely despise McDonald's. Um, calling it fast food is, um, well, it's not fucking food. If it doesn't rot, it's not food. So I just don't believe you should ingest anything that doesn't decay or break down or rot after years um but overall um i really just can't stand fast food in general um we don't eat very much of it at all and i i always notice that when i do i'm some sort of sick the next day um more recently i ate taco bell a couple weeks ago and i was sick took my stomach for two fucking days from it you know, it's probably the first time I'd eaten out in several months. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't know, man. It's, 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 um, it's disgusting. Like I said, it's not food. If it doesn't rot, you shouldn't eat it. And that's just the bottom line for anything that you put into your body. You know, we're not supposed to ingest chemicals and especially the forever chemicals like what's in our food and water these days. Um, yeah, that's kind of all I have to say about that. We we eat at home most of the time. Um, oh, yeah, well, I was going to say, like, how many ingredients are in bread? Well, flour, 
salt, yeast, a little bit of sugar, and some water, maybe an egg, depending on what you're making. But why does why does a fast food bun have like 11 ingredients and most of them are like eight syllables long? You can't even pronounce them, some bitches. Like that's another thing. If you can't pronounce what the fuck's in it, don't eat it. <laughs> Not good. Anyway, um, I figured I missed a couple shows. I haven't called in in a while, so I had to, you know, I'm still here. I'm still doing stuff. I just ain't had shit to say. So, any hoosers. Uh, I look forward to the show tonight. Everybody's going to have a great time. It's a great goddamn time. So, anyway, I hope everybody's happy and healthy. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Thank you so much, weirdo. And, yeah, um, this thing about you not eating out in a while, your wife called. She's really pissed about that fact. Get on the job, boy. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. But, no, seriously, like, McDonald's, ew. Yeah. Truly, I've known people who were like, hey, I left this McDonald's vanilla shake out in the sun for like a week and yeah. now it's rubber. I'm like, why the fuck would you ever put that in your body? That's disgusting. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think any restaurant anymore, just the quality of any restaurant at this point, it's just it's gone way downhill. I mean, we, we, we yeah, were discussing because that the, the, the other night. The food just doesn't have any flavor. They oversalt it. They oversugar it. That's basically all places have. And it's. It's it's disgusting. Yeah, it is. Uh, so anyway, the, but this is uh, yeah. They this, really are trying to kill us with food. Yeah, they are. Well, let's see what this next caller has to say about uh, about uh, about restaurants and stuff. Least favorite restaurant. Hmm. Hello, Phoenix. Hello, phone boy. How are those guys doing? Um. Yeah, least favorite. Uh. I can't say I just have places I don't go to anymore. Like I used to, I used to go to a ton of Taco Bell, and then just as I'd get more and more food, realize like, oh, it's smart fishing to you know, living in uh, FEMA Region Nine. Like there's plenty of Mexican places here, and uh, can just go get myself a giant super burrito for like nine, ten, eleven bucks, and get more food and free chips and salsa than going to Taco Bell. So anyway, yeah, most fast food I don't do anymore. Uh, pretty much the only thing we like Chick Fil A or. One of those and Amberto. He does not free base cocaine uh, either. Like In and Out, probably like the only quote normal fast food I would get. Um, but yeah, I don't really have like a least favorite. Um, you know, I'm fine with doing chains and whatnot. But obviously, sometimes just if you're doing a place that's not a chain, is you know pros and cons. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway. So it's fun when we go to Costco and, and you know exactly what we need to what you need to get. We're just getting some water and ice for an event for tomorrow, and uh, so I'll throw the wa- cases of water in there and and uh, get that. And then couldn't remember where the ice was in Costco, so my wife takes the cart down, and then I run down find the ice and got it on my head and kind of get through Costco as fast as possible on the Saturday. So yeah, kind of fun. Uh, just trying to swallow them down the aisles, but uh, anyway. There's a little story for you. So, uh, yeah, that's about that. Just leaning here on a knot of a tree. So, uh, love you guys. Stay dangerous and uh, stay cool, but stay dangerous. And, uh, you know, whether or not it's hot or cold, give a good old hearty caca! Caca! All right. 
So, potential show title, Leaf Fiber Restaurant. That's fantastic. Yes, exactly. Uh, yes, is there, give a, a, yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a and lot Costco of... And Costco for the win, by the way. Ned and I were talking on NA Social because he was bitching about not being able to find any white vinegar at the Kroger. And he said, must be a lot of people canning around there. And I'm like, Costco for the win? He's like, fuck that. You couldn't pay me to go to Costco on a Saturday with a few emojis. And I'm like, that's, that's just fucking hilarious yeah well i don't know i, I don't think it, i don't think any day going to costco in knoxville is uh, is is great yeah uh, yeah but the although, next like, time... although like although like monday if, if you want to go like a weekday evening as long as it's not like friday that might be the only time to do it and it not be yeah and we crazy. we talked about the next time we go to costco the you know the big trip we make like once a month yeah we're actually gonna see what the one down there in uh, uh, I think it's no, it's not Chattanooga. Oh, no. Well, it's, it's right Chattanooga over the border area, yeah. in in Georgia. I'm trying yeah. to. Th- I think it's like Ringgold. Ringgold or, is what you said, yeah. Yeah. So, so we're gonna check that out because the taxes are less down there as well, which is why a lot of Chattanoogians. Yeah. Like to and, and, do their and, shopping and, over the and border. I t- and I will tell you, it's a lot nicer drive down to Chattanooga than it is to try and drive down to freaking... Um, Knoxville, yeah. yeah it's yeah. much more scenic and peaceful. There's just a nice vibe yeah. going the back roads it's, down to chat. And it really takes the same amount of time reasonably. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, rounding error yeah, between exactly, the two. Exactly. I uh, Well, here's one thing, though. Um, Laysad, the only thing we're not going to be able to do if we do go down to the Georgia Costco yeah. is to have our Indian food that we usually do during our monthly Costco. But you know what? That may not be a bad thing because you were saying that you're kind of like having an issue with the non doesn't taste as good as it did and yeah. like there's just no yeah you know you're you're not fulfilled by that which used to fulfill us yeah. so it yeah. might actually be a good thing to not yeah. have that particular piece of our monthly tradition yeah we we're we're aware of the tax holiday uh mama t we we, we are we are very much aware of that now yes we we are we've been yeah. impatiently waiting yes for it. exactly so now meanwhile we got a, we got a text uh, from tigger here uh, she said says coffee strong and black when brewing it add ground cinnamon into the grounds yeah. yes ground cinnamon in in coffee is tits mcgee i agree completely and thank you tigger for texting i'm so excited that she is listening which means she is probably feeling better because she had a bout of not feeling so great so yeah exactly so uh, yeah I, I know how tigger takes her coffee considering that's how we met was me waitressing in a truck stop so yeah okay so we have a so we have another voicemail here uh, so we're gonna play this one Hi guys, um, this is in reference to your last refire topic about preferring either coffee or tea. I I like my coffee hot and black, black like my soul, or so the saying goes. But tea is also nice too. Okay, bye. Aha! Well, thank well, thank you. Uh, that's that's a great. That, that's uh, you like it with black. Yeah, black like my soul. Yeah. That's right. We love you, Kiwi Blade. You are tits. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, so now we're gonna. Uh, okay. Um, now we get it. We we now we get a voicemail. I have a feeling. I think I think we're. Oh, gonna, I'm excited. I think, I think we. Keep I think we know, coming. Two five three two three seven three three two one. That's right. So here you go. I'd like this next caller. That is so easy. Least favorite restaurant, Hardee's. It also has a counterpart out on the left coast called Carl's Jr. And it's just as bad. My mama used to love to go to Hardee's 
because they had some kind of cinnamon biscuit concoction. And to be fair, it was actually edible. But that was about all that was edible. I They advertise on TV all the time those hamburgers. They look good. And then that Hardee's logo pops up. And I'm like, no fucking way. Uh-uh. Not happening. I mean, even the sight of the red and yellow logo they've got makes me a little bit queasy. And those colors are supposed to be appetizing or so I've heard. Not in that instance, they're not. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Love y'all. Bye. Love you, Mama Love you, Mama T. But you know what? I, I, I have to... I have to confess, I love me a hearty biscuit. I'm not going to lie. Their biscuits are de-freaking-lish. Even though we're not supposed to be eating grains and shit, I have snuck a Hardy's biscuit a time or two because there's one at the end right before the interstate. But I don't actually go to that one. I go to the one in Cookville. One, because I am, like, really paranoid that Bone Boy's following me one morning mm-hmm. when I decide to totally go stupid and put that shit in my mouth. Which, believe me, yeah, I pay for it in more ways than one when I do because, yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it's. It, it, and in my former life, I can neither confirm nor deny that I would graciously fuck up biscuits like bacon, egg, and cheese, sausage, egg, and cheese. Hardee's was my go to breakfast place. And their big breakfast. Yeah, yeah, I, it, was that was, it, it was it was that. I mean, yeah, I mean, if I first the only reason I found anything out about Hardee's is my my ex had it when we come down to the south. That was always something she had to get was a sausage biscuit from Hardee's. Yes, because God knows the lazy cunt couldn't make it herself. Yeah, well, I don't know. Jeez. Yeah, we already know this. So, um, okay. So, yeah, this is, um, we got we got one more voicemail here. Um, and so let's, uh, but uh, yes, it still breaks my, it does still break my brain to see the Carl's Jr. star on the Hardy's the Hardy's name and and also in the Carl's Jr. font too. It kind of breaks my brain because yes, I, I grew up on the left coast and where we have Carl's Jr. Welcome to welcome to Carl's Jr. No child should be uh, should be left me uh, hungry or whatever. And and you're and you're yeah. an unfit mother and you should and your children will be placed in the custody of Carl's Jr. Carl's Jr. Fuck you. I'm eating. All right. I'm sure somebody will ISO that. Okay. Meanwhile, somebody better ISO that. Okay. Meanwhile, here's our next caller. My uh, least favorite restaurant, probably everybody's least favorite restaurant uh, around the world, uh, everywhere. Probably the least favorite restaurant of all time is obviously uh, Sammy Hagar's Capital Waffle Beach Pub. Because Sammy Hagar sucks. (laughs) 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 Fucking net net. Love you, brother. Unreal. That is unreal. That is that is amazing. Okay, so um, now that we've he- now we've heard about your um, uh, your your, f- your least favorite restaurants and why, uh, now we're going to get into our least favorite restaurant, which is Plate and Bowl here. In no, the, uh, yeah. you don't get you don't get to to fuck off like that. Before you get into Plate and Bowl, you have to tell the pedal heads what your least favorite restaurant is. Uh, the, 
at this point, all of them, because they all serve shit food. I mean, I, I don't, Truth. you know, so I, I, I don't know. It's like, it's like when I went to my, one of my favorite breakfast places in Israel, I was disappointed in the whole thing. It's like, okay, that was a, you know, that w- it was not what I expected. And the service was less than anyway, because it, it just was not, a, it was not a great uh, experience. And so it, uh, it sort of ruined uh, that, that place for me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think more often than not, when we go out to eat, both of us, one or both of us are disappointed. So honestly, like, yeah, because you ain't serving food. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. So I mean, well, even recently when we went to Texas Roadhouse and of course, you know, we were eating the food that we're allowed to eat, you know, steak and salad and stuff like that. It, it was very disappointing. I mean, I remember talking about the fact that the chili was barely piss warm. The uh, rattlesnake bites, same problem, and the shrimp, to my taste, were overdone. I'll just say that. And the steak was so damn fatty, even though it was a ribeye, three-quarters of that fucker was just fat and not in a good way. Like, it just did not have a good flavor. When I have to put Liam Perrins on a fucking steak, somebody screwed up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that is as a, as Sir Bemrose I put in the chat. It's hot flesh garbage, which is a potential show title. Of it course. is hot flesh garbage. Yeah. So it is truly. Yeah, and, and I think that's why I didn't do it because it's, I mean that is my general comment. Is at this point, pretty much every restaurant is is complete. Uh, you know, is completely just. Yeah, we can't do it. Can't, wouldn't it wouldn't be prudent. Can't do it. So. Um, but I think, um, but yeah, I think our, fa- our least favorite right now, the one we keep covering, or as uh, Sir Bemros refers to it as uh, in, in the government bootlicking uh, segment uh, of the show. That's right. Uh, we're talking about Plate and Bull. Now, uh, there was there was yet another article in, in the Glade Sun about this restaurant called Plate and Bull that we've, that we've been covering on this show. Um, and it, and it, because we've we just kind of been um, been annoyed at this place, because just because they're, they're, there's just something about this, you know, following the story and reading that, that it just it just kind of bugs us and I realized that it, we come off sounding like we're, we're, we're government apologists and that kind of thing but so but I but I pulled I pulled the timeline from this story which I'm gonna have as a as, as something it'll be some it'll be click be in the show notes and we'll, we'll actually have it in there but so uh, so, the, so according to the timeline that the newspaper provided here so on March 3rd uh, March 3rd uh, there was a Facebook page open for plate and bowl now that and, and so that and that was I guess right around the time the restaurant started now, on, on March 23rd, they were approached by the Tennessee Department of Health and, and, and tells them that they need a state permit and a food safety inspection to operate. And then, and then on April 5th, they, they get another visit from the state health department. Again, they will not apply for a state permit. Uh, on April 13th, Plate and Bowl opens as a private club in Village Green Mall. So they've been so, but even before they opened, they were getting, they were, they were, they were having issues with the, with the health department. Now, and so on April 17th, the health department issues a closure letter directing the Luchettas to cease place and bowl operations until they obtain a state permit and allow food safety inspections. They refuse and continue operations. On June 21st, they are the uh, Davidson County uh, Chancellor Ann C. Martin. So that, that's 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 in Nashville uh, issues an injunction ordering Luchetta to obtain a state permit and allow food safety inspections upon the state's bo- posting of a $500 bond. Uh, on, on June 21st and 22nd, they, they, the Luchettas cover 
cover the full length uh, win- windows and open door of plate and bowl with black film preventing anyone from looking inside. They also post on a chalkboard notifying passers by in Village Green Mall that plate and bowl is a private members club that's closed to the public. Notice that is the same day that the chancellor issued the order against them. Yeah, and a coincidence, I think not. On June 27th, Tennessee Attorney General Jonathan Scrimenti files a motion contending that Chancellor Martin erred, requiring a bond for the injunction. The motion delays the injunction from taking effect. Now, July 14th, Chancellor Martin drops the requirement for the $500 bond for the injunction, putting the order for a state permit and food inspections in place. Now, Platon Bull, at least as of July 29th, when this, uh, when this information was taken, they continue to serve breakfast and lunch Wednesdays to Saturdays each week and to go orders Monday evenings. Now, there was some other stuff in the article that this is this is why we're kind of pissed off at these guys. So now someone and this is from the article. Someone in the community suspect that the Luchettas, the people that are running this uh, this private restaurant club, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, so. Um, they, they consider themselves sovereign citizens, that is, living as though they are not subject to the laws of governments. Now, Vincent, who's the, the, asked by the Glade Sun to respond to those who make that assertion, replied, no, that is incorrect. Uh, so, uh, so said Bethany, we're apolitical. We're just Americans who are trying to keep our constitutional rights. Uh, yeah, okay, well, so from my impression it of... It sounds to me like she's throwing a lot of fucking buzzwords around when not really saying anything at all. Yeah, so... Again, virtue signal much? Yeah, so if they're saying that they're not subject to the laws of governments, right, and this is what they're... So what, So they were specifically asked about, you know, whether they were, you know, whether they thought that they were, that they, they, the laws didn't apply to them. They, they basically said no, right? So, okay, what what are they doing? They're they're violating laws. A judge has told them they're violating laws, and there's now, an, there's now a court order, right, that says you need to, if you want to continue operating, you need to do this. Now, now so they're basically fucking hypocrites, and... And, you know, and they're violating a court order. We'll see how long this, this goes on. But it, and now I'm not, you know, we can talk about government overreach and all of that. And it, it, I don't think this, I, I don't think state health regulations are necessarily a government overreach. If you can't pass a government health inspection, you got something wrong with your shit, right? Now, I understand that there's no guarantee that the food's going to be edible or, or, or whatever if they pass a government health inspection. But yeah. You should be able to do that to operate. I don't, and that's I've I haven't seen health regulations at least in 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 the in, as far as like restaurants have gotten anything that you know I would consider overreach. Not to say that it wouldn't in the future, I guess, but at the same time, uh, yeah, these guys. I don't are, think I, it's overreach to simply say, "Hey, we want to make sure that the manner in which you are housing and serving the food to the public is safe because we don't want to see people get sick because of improperly tempted food, either in a cooler or in a steam table or whatever it happens to be. There's, I, I'm not trying to be a government bootlicker. I'm simply saying that there are laws and regulations in place. Yeah. And, and as and, much as there are a bunch of stupid irrelevant ones there are some like the ones that govern food service that are kind of important that is all that i am saying and the only reason that this annoys me is because the massive look at me shit that these blue state douchebags are trying to pull in a red state and whining and crying like i said they're, they're throwing around a lot of buzzwords they're trying to twist any which way that they can to try to keep themselves out of 
you yeah. know. Yeah. So I mean, but whatever the whatever the Here's case the thing was, though, yeah. like you and I have talked about behind yeah. the mic. Yeah. Where the hell's the landlord in all of this? You can't tell me with all the press that this has got to be getting that the landlord is not aware of the fact that hey, your tenants are literally breaking laws that could end up backlashing on you. Yeah, the reason they're blue state douchebags is because that's where they come from. We've we, we've researched, you know, again, they, they, this is stuff that's been 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 uh, put in the paper. So that's why they, we and they tried to do this. They tried to do this in Illinois and, and couldn't do it there, right? So you know, what, I don't know why they think they take a they they, they take this idea and, and and try to implement it. You know, try to implement it in the reddest part of a red state, and you know, and think think that they're gonna think that they're gonna get anywhere. And that might take them a little while for something to happen. But I mean, the reality is they're now violating a court order and, and, and operating and so all they're doing you know and they've gone completely you know secret it's like any like the pretty much the newspaper has said they pretty much stopped responding to any requests for more information about their uh, about their uh, uh, about their club you know or whatever the heck you want to call it but the I mean the bottom line in this story has been and probably will continue to be the fact that the premise on which they refuse to be inspected, that being that they don't want to be shut down if another pandemic occurs, kind of seems like a bullshit excuse, considering the fact that by repeatedly defying court orders that have been issued for the closure, you've ultimately done exactly what you were trying not to do, which is get shut down by legal standards. I understand that they're still yeah. physically operating, yeah. but I can tell you, we have seen this before during the pandemic when there were places that were ordered to be closed and they refused to close and the backlash that occurred for them. Why? It, it just, it seems like a lot of irony that the very thing they were trying to prevent is the very thing that they are going to exact upon themselves by their defiance. Yeah. Yeah, so and if, if that makes me a bootlicker, fucking great. You know, coming from the head troll who lives in one of the fucking most blue balls states out there, I, I don't put a whole lot of merit behind it. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think we've I think we've exhausted the uh, the, the, the 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 contents of the plate and bowl for the time being. And this is we'll be interested in it. I thought that, I, but it was you know it's just I, we just we view these people as hypocrites. We don't necessarily we, that's that's exactly it. We view them as hypocrites because what is coming out of their mouth is not yeah. what they claim to be saying. I mean, there's just, they're so full of shit and it's annoying. Yeah. Well, and this is, like we said, I, I mean, I don't think, I, I, th I think, I, anyway, I don't think, I don't like, I just, this, this, the story has a, leaves a bad taste in my mouth. That's all I can say. Yeah, all puns intended on that. Yeah, exactly. All right, but what? But what is what? What is not intended is that we're going to move up. We're going to move out of this uh, in the segment into the next one. I'll take a drink, and I my name's Smoke Little Reef. You know, I I like to smoke reefer. You know, it relaxes me. I think a couple of doobies, you know, just to get you through the day and everything. But I do not free base cocaine. No, I, I'm sure the people in West uh, in West Tennessee. Uh, I cannot even believe this story. This shit made me laugh. But uh, think about 
the whole fact that it's in a former Walmart building just adds to the hilarity. In yes, my and, 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 yes, and, and, and yes, and and you can hear the banjos, you know, as you get, as you get to that anyway. But uh, so nine law enforcement agencies joined together to take down a massive illegal drug operation after a 35 pound shipment of psilocybin edibles revealed the extent of the operation. Agents found an assortment of drugs, including multiple forms of cannabis, psilocybin, steroids, and even a distiller tool to make illegal moonshine. Like we said, we hear the banjos. That's right. Uh, in a press release and a Facebook post, the West Tennessee Drug Task Force, representing the state's 28th, 29th, and 30th judicial districts, announced they served warrants to dismantle a drug operation at a building formerly occupied by Walmart. It involved all three jurisdictions of West Tennessee's Drug Task Force, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigations, and the United States Postal Inspector, Counter Drug Task Force, ATF, Humboldt Police Department, Tennessee Dangerous uh, Drugs Task Force, and the 26th judicial uh, judicial district drug tax force. That's a, I, I need to, I'm, anyway, uh, search warrants were executed on last on July 25th to deploy agents at a warehouse building in Humboldt, Tennessee. And don't confuse that with Humboldt County in California, although clearly the same shit happens. It is truly a little shit splat town. Truly. That is what I find so funny. Also about this story is that in such a banjo-loving, shit-splat town, there was this massive drug operation going on in a former Walmart building. The irony behind that drips. Yes, it does. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, and it's, uh, so, yeah, the, of the, this is a search, yeah, so, the, yeah, the, uh, uh, it's a culmination of an elaborate drug investigation involving over 25 law enforcement officers from nine different agencies. Now, officers scoured the area and found 376 vials of steroid oils, 21 pounds of various steroid powders, 3.6 gallons of steroid oil, 9,180 steroid pills, 70 forged driver's license cards from four states, all with the same photo of a person and yes and 43.5 pounds of psilocybin uh, 40 pounds of cannabis in multiple forms 29 weapons and and in 153,421 dollars in cash still to make moonshine drug paraphernalia and a digital and paper trail I mean, that's yeah, these suspects have been charged with various criminal offenses, including possession with intent to sell, deliver and or manufacture of schedule one, three and four controlled substances, possession of a firearm during the commission of a dangerous felony, possession of drug paraphernalia, identity theft tracking, maintaining a drug location and felony drug paraphernalia. Wow. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, that's a that's a metric shit ton of charges to be dealing with. And, you know, it really doesn't need to be that way. I think that all the marijuana and psilocybin charges that they're facing, and even the distillery charge, like, fuck right off with that shit. Seriously. The, even the steroids. Like, fucking come on. Even, even Arnold did fucking roids. I don't give a fuck what you say. That dude did not get that ripped and not be on the juice. Yeah, on the juice. Yeah. And we're not just talking about meat juice either. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, mean, I, I feel sorry for our friends in Illinois. Uh, they, apparently, their 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 legal weed is very uh, very very pricey. Yeah, unfortunately, despite the fact that they have gotten legalization, it just does not look good for <laughs> it being 
what am I trying to say? Yeah, the black market is still going to be real heavy out there, considering the way that they've got this shit going on. Yeah. They they did not do this well. Yeah. So yeah. So during so they they have uh yeah I'm sure by the, by this point they've they've amassed over a a, a trillion dollars in a cannabis total cannabis sales, making Illinois home to the third largest cannabis market in the United States, with only California and Michigan with larger markets. Population-wise, Illinois is the sixth largest state in the country. However, a limited number of brands pose several challenges to the state. And since Illinois is home to only 118 brands, the state is home to high market consolidation with 68% of sales coming from only 10 top brands. Illinois will soon be issuing 55 new retailer license uh, licenses to expand access to its domestic market. Now, currently, the state is home to 120 licensed retailers and very low compared to other states, which is the reason why the prices are probably so high. Um, yeah. Well, that and it's brand new that they got legalization. It just happened this year. So, of course, they're not going to have like Colorado and California pricing because they have a lot of overhead to try to make up for. Yeah. So the yeah and and it, and it is yes and so there yeah the and, and you know, headset a data driven tech company that provides a, a business intelligence uh, platform for the cannabis industry uh, you know it has done some done some analysis and this has said the average item price in Illinois is currently. 89% higher than the rest of the U.S. market. Now, consumers over the age of 41 typically account for 36.4% of sales. However, in Illinois, they capture 42.1% of total sales. Damn. Yeah. So, you know, they're, 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 they, there's clearly a market for weed out there, and there's clearly a market for weed. Tennessee, you should probably look into it, but not that they listen to this damn show. Antiquated old white men. Yes. Who now, still think fucking weed is a gateway drug. Now, there is no, now, so um, there's a study that finds that there's no link between off hours pot smoking and workplace accidents, which is, you know, which is kind we of. We knew a, that. Yeah. Uh, if, you know, water is wet news. A new study out of Canada found there was no difference in workplace injury risk between those who used cannabis outside the workplace and those who don't use marijuana at all. Now, the longitudinal study conducted by researchers at the University of Toronto and published in the Canadian Journal of Public Health examined Canadian workers over a two year period from 2018 to 2020. And although there are no uh, statistically elevated relationship existed between non-workplace use and workplace injury, the researchers noted that cannabis use at the workplace was associated with an almost twofold increase in the risk of workplace injury. That's interesting. This pattern of findings was seen among workers in both safety-sensitive and non-safety-sensitive jobs, they wrote. Now, whether they're toking on the job or not, more workers are using cannabis than ever before. And a study released in May found positive drug tests for cannabis in the United States had soared to an all-time high. Uh, Quest, which Quest Diagnostic, which does a lot of these, uh, you know, the urine tests and that kind of thing. I'm familiar sh- with them. Yeah. It showed that a little more than 7% of drug urine samples in 2022 contained cannabis, up from 6.7% the year before. So, um, but yeah, I think, I think people are a lot more comfortable with it, with, uh, with, with smoking it. And so you're, yeah, I think we're going to find out, you know, I, I think it's becoming more mainstream where a lot of employers are realizing that, look, if we drug tested our employees, we'd lose half to three quarters of our staff and with staffing issues already at an unbelievable rate. Companies just can't afford to lose any more employees without going under. So they're going to have to bend at some point to the fact that 
as long as I'm able to perform my job and I'm not fucking it up and I'm not causing a problem in the matrix, if I smoke weed when I'm at home and not when I'm on the job, then it shouldn't be a fucking issue. No, but yeah, exactly. Um, now there is a there's there's a there's a groundbreaking trial of a, can, a cannabinol product that actually shows better that shows that it works better than melatonin for sleep. Um, now conducted by two two private companies beyond the scope of universities, hospitals, or government agencies, the worst the world's first trial of pure cannabinol revealed a wealth of information on the benefits and limitations of this cannabis derived sleep aid. Now. Um, What's interesting, and and yeah, I mean, you kind of read the article, and almost, and almost, you know, it almost kind of reads a little bit like a, you know, like you know, like a puff piece for, you know, for, you know, one of one of these PR stories, right? That that get done, right? So, however, there's, you know, we pull a couple things out of it. So that so testing CBN versus both melatonin and a placebo, the study revealed that not only does CBN work better than melatonin for reducing sleep disturbances, but that CBN is dose dependent among along a U-shaped curve. Now the findings are vital to understanding how to use CBN, just one of many cannabinoids believed to have therapeutic effects. And over a thousand participants from across the U.S. formed the study group and they received doses of melatonin, placebo, or a CBN product called TrueCBN. With 50 milligrams of TrueCBN, participants experienced significant sleep improvements, many of which were described as critical. The melatonin group also reported substantive sleep improvements, but not to the level of the CBN group. Now, the only marginal improvements were seen in people taking either 25 or 100 milligrams, hence the U-shaped curve, which I think there's something to be said for that. It's, you know, the, the dose, you know, trying to dial in the dose and how much is good, you know, good for you, no matter what it is you're taking. I think that's, that's important. And you have to be willing to, you know, adjust, you know, adjust things up or down as you need in order to be able to see if it, how well it works for you. Yeah, it's like the fact that there is no blanket dosing in something like that. Exactly. Because um, everybody reacts differently to it, and some people That's don't right. react, to, react to it at all. Now, although I, this is one of, this is, uh, you know, this this is, this story is from Arkansas. Apparently, um, there's a, apparently there. Wait, in and of itself, just, just think about that. Yes. Anything that comes out of Arkansas is fucked up. Yeah, Walmart, anyone? Um, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, exactly. So, um, a, a gr- oh, anyway, a group of hemp businesses had filed a legal action challenging a new Arkansas law that bans hemp-derived psychoactive cannabinoids, including Delta-8 THC, arguing the statute violates the 2018 Farm or 2018 Farm Bill's provisions that legalized hemp agriculture. The lawsuit, which was filed in federal court in Little Rock on Monday by four hemp businesses, seeks an injunction blocking Act 629, a law banning hemp-derived psychoactive cannabinoids that went into effect on August. August 1st. Gee, <sighs> surprise. Yes. Act 629 bans the production and sale of products containing Delta 8, Delta 9, and Delta 10 THC and other variations of the cannabinoids inside the state of Arkansas. Such products have been legal under federal law since 2018 when that year's farm bill legalized hemp with less than 0.3% Delta 9 THC. Which we know is an arbitrary bullshit number. That's right. Despite their low Delta 9 THC content, other psychoactive cannabinoids can be extracted from hemp and hemp-derived CBD can be processed into psychoactive cannabinoids in a laboratory. Well, okay, that's, that's uh, in a laboratory, but who's, anyway. Yeah, what, no, synthetic, no. Yeah. 
Exactly. The four plaintiffs in this case include a manufacturer, wholesaler, distributor, and retailer of hemp products that would be affected by the ban. They're asking the court to block Act 629, arguing that the statute does not comply with the U.S. Constitution's Commerce and Supremacy Clauses and is a violation of the 2018 Farm Bill. Our suit asks the federal court in the Eastern District of Arkansas to enjoin the entirety of Act 629 because it unconstitutionally narrowed the definition of hemp-derived products in violation of the 2018 Farm Bill and impermissibly restricted the transportation and shipment of these products. Abton, I'm, I'm Oh, not, I wouldn't even try that yeah, last name. Yeah, the lead attorney for the plaintiffs wrote in an email. Now, before the bill was signed into law, he had, we had lengthy dialogues with the defendants during the 2023 legislative session as the bill was making its way through the legislative process. Now, we had testified before a House subcommittee to explain the constitutional infirmities in the initial draft of Act 629, uh, the, the lawyer continued. And at the same time, we remain ready and willing to continue those discussions that would invite the state to meet us at the table to arrive at a sensible resolution. We do not oppose all forms of regulation and would support sensible policies that appropriately treat hemp-derived products for what they are as an agricultural commodity. Um, but, you know... I don't know, but uh, uh, my uh, my pot is uh, you know is is uh, is psychoactive. That's bad, and drugs are bad. Yeah, you shouldn't use drugs, right. kid, because you know yeah don't yeah shouldn't use drugs. All right, now that's you know that's the constant messaging, and I really think that it comes down to the plate of cookie thing. Like you can have all these cookies over here, you just can't have these chips ahoy right here. Yeah, what the fuck you want? You want the chips ahoy? That's right. So. Um, but this is, but, uh, what we don't want is fuck MasterCard, I, I guess in this case. I cannot even believe, I mean, I, well, you can't. Let me back up. I would like to say that I can't believe this shit, but I'd be lying. Yes. So on uh, Wednesday, Bloomberg reported that MasterCard, the world's second largest payment solution provider, had informed financial institutions and other payment processors to stop allowing marijuana purchases to be processed with debit cards. Because of tight federal restrictions on banks that do business with marijuana companies, even those legal under state law, most financial institutions declined to provide common banking services, including credit card processing, to such businesses. In a statement, a spokesperson for MasterCard said that the action was taken after it learned that cannabis dispensaries were accepting debit cards for pot purchases. As we were made aware of this matter, we quickly investigated, the spokesman said. In accordance with our policies, we instructed the financial institutions that offer payment services to cannabis merchants and connect them to MasterCard to terminate the activity. The federal government considers state ca cannabis sales illegal, so these purchases are not allowed in our systems, the MasterCard spokesperson added. Fucking shell. Yeah. Yeah. Now, a proposed federal legislative solution, the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act, would give cannabis companies legal access to traditional business banking services, including credit card processing. But while the bill has bipartisan support in both chambers of Congress and has been approved by the House of Representatives on seven separate occasions, it has yet to receive a vote in the Senate. Gee, who's surprised that they're dragging their dicks on that? Yeah, what else is new? All right, so, um, all right, we, I think we, I think we've uh, got one. We got, we got, we're down to the last segment here. I've been slow cooking it all day in my vagina. That's right. We have not been slow cooking it in my vagina, but you know what we have been doing? We have been, as we talked about in Toast and Jam, we did some farmer's market stuff. So tonight we are going to be having a pressure cooked pot roast with onions and mushrooms. 
and a caprese salad made with fresh tomatoes that we got from Farmer's Market and some basil that I procured as well. The mozzarella, of course, is Costco mozzarella balls because we love those little like uh, Belgioso or whatever the hell it is. And I made a balsamic glaze reduction to put on the caprese salad. So it is going to be so utterly delicious. And I'm going to get it started right after we are done with the show and get into Studio 33. And then within a couple of hours, we will be chowing down. Yes, that's, that is true. Okay. And so, we will have pictures. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we work hard here. And and unfortunately, I mean, this is, you want to want to know one of the reasons why uh, we look like that the younger generation is, uh, is slacking. Well, because they really are slacking. They're just pretending to work in some cases. Now, um, so remember when you were a kid and you'd play pretend, you'd pretend to be a pilot, a parent, um, you know, maybe, maybe a teacher. Uh, and if you really dream big, maybe a train driver. Well, Generation Z has all grown up and now they're playing pretend in the workplace. And instead of working, they are Meryl streeping it and pretending to work. Now, Gabrielle Judge, 26, is leading the pretend charge. She's an American who creates content online to guide the younger generation on doing less at work. She files most of her advice under her lazy girl work mantra that has taken off on TikTok and amassed millions of views. And then we wonder why our young people are the way they are. Mm. I give you exhibit A. Yes. Miss Judge encourages young women to find jobs requiring little work that fit into their lifestyles, and now she's also telling young women how to get away with not working, ironically, while at work. This isn't about pulling the old quiet quitting move, doing the bare minimum work and keeping your fingers and toes crossed that no one notices. No, this is much more blatant and, to be frank, manipulative. Uh, Miss Judge is sharing advice on how to do nothing at work while fooling your boss into thinking you're excelling. Now, her pretend work scheme is elaborate, but fairly straightforward. She suggests coming up with a goal that isn't actually achievable, but content constantly update your boss on it. And it's okay to pretend some stuff, she says. Uh, come up with a goal that is hard and find a way to regularly talk about that goal. Now, it makes you look like an ambitious go-getter. And the goal has to be hard, but not impossible and obviously be career-focused. Now, Miss Judge uses the example of suggesting you want to move to a new department, but make sure that department is in a different city. See, your goal mustn't actually be achievable in reality. It needs to be something you can waste your time pretending to work towards. Now, the goal isn't important. What is important is that your boss has seen how invested you are in your career and job. So Miss Judge says, talking about long-term goals is a way for you to look like you're very engaged with that company and constantly look like you want to do more. It creates the illusion that you're a loyal and hard worker who is keen to move up. Now, Miss Judge's advice has spurned on other people, on other young people to share their secrets about how they pretend to work in their roles. Now, get get your boss attached to your idea and then you can get a, a signed dedicated time to work on it, one suggested. Another shared that she gaslights her boss all, all the time by telling him how much she cares, but then actually sits and does nothing nothing all day. Someone else commented that they just talk about spreadsheets and algorithms and people don't question her further. While another suggested that the perfect way to do nothing is to offer to help out with things like marketing. God, this is so gross. Yes. Another revealed that the secret is to kill with kindness. So be nice to everyone you work with that no one questions what you actually do. Well, that's yeah, I Jesus. And you wonder why all you wonder why the service everywhere sucks. You why that nobody gives a fuck. This is this is what we got to deal with, honey. I can't even I can't even with this. I know it it makes me totally pissed that they won't allow people to speak freely on 
Twitter and all of that shit, but yeah, all of this TikTok bullshit where some twat is giving other twats advice on how to fuck off and steal company money. Yeah, let's let's just promote more of that. Yeah. Jesus fucking Christ, we really are living in idiocracy. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, you know, the, the, there's there's this uh, there's a police uh, first responder communications tech that that used fim- flimsy encryption and suffered from numerous uh, uh, vulnerabilities for years. Uh, this is uh, this is uh, yeah, clearly clearly we get get some of our best uh, tech from uh, tech dirt. You know, um, for decades the the numerous sensitive infrastructure, military, and first responder systems in Europe and the U.S. utilized a radio standard dubbed Tetra, which just stands for a terrestrial trunked radio, which is used in radios made by Motorola, Dam, Hytera, and other major vendors. Now, for 25 years, secrecy surrounding the encryption algorithms used in Tetra kept researchers from taking a closer look at the technology until now. And what they found wasn't great. What else is new? Researchers found that the encryption algorithm baked into radios sold for commercial use in critical infrastructure contained five major vulnerabilities and a back door, uh, more more akin to an open front door, that vendors apparently knew about, but many customers weren't aware of. Now, the vulnerabilities were technically found by independent researchers in 2021, but weren't revealed until revendors could develop patches. But given an ongoing lack of transparency, whether those updates have been implemented and what hardware is impacted isn't broadly understood. Now, Tetra is primarily used in Europe in police, military, first responder infrastructure, and other key communications. And while less common in the U.S., Kim Zetter at Wired worked with the researchers to discover the standard was in use across a number of sensitive industries and agencies here in the States as well. Um, And the Tetra standard itself is easily reviewable, but the platform's encryption algorithms are only made available to trusted parties that sign a non-disclosure agreement. And to find the vulnerabilities, researchers purchased an off-the-shelf Motorola MTM 5400 radio and uh, dug into that radio's firmware over four months, then used several zero-day exploits to defeat the Motorola-implemented protections. And Wired goes on to note that while the standard is still widely in use, the Snowden files contain information suggesting that the NSA and GCHQ knew about and potentially exploited these vulnerabilities as early as 2007. Yeah. So, I mean... Snowden. Yeah, we, we love Snowden, but... You know, that's and that's there's a reason that that some of these things, you know, that's why is where open source can be helpful. Of course, there's no guarantee that open source is going to be any safer. But but with more eyes on it, you know, the, the opportunity to have more eyes on it, you can verify for yourself if you're really that paranoid. And, uh, you know, this is and this is why, you know, it's why encryption standards tend to be open source. True. Very true. Yeah. So, because we know what they are, and and that's a you know that's it's a it's a it's a it's a good thing. Yeah. You know? So now. Yeah. Some uh, transparency is really good. I'll tell you about a company that should be using some fucking transparency. That's Tesla. No, I think I think we I think we know if they did tr- practice transparency, they well would, uh, we know what would happen. You know, because apparently they lied about the EV range, and then they created a team built specifically to undermine customers' attempts to get help. Wow. Talk about an epic butt fucking. So Elon Musk's company are routinely heralded for unbridled innovation. But when it comes to very basic customer service, most of them are an incompetent nightmare. Well, who the fuck is surprised by that? Welcome to Water's Wet. Starlink customers looking for refunds after being on waiting lists for years are routinely ghosted. Tesla's solar company customers often have it even worse, shelling out huge sums of money only to be jerked around for months or years on end. Again, 
why is any of this a surprise to anybody? But this story by Reuters on Tesla is a different, much uglier animal. It documents how the company actively misrepresented the range of its electric vehicles, then created a dedicated team specifically designed to thwart (coughs) customer efforts to schedule appointments and get help. Now, Reuters claims to have spoken to several folks who state that Tesla has been rigging their range estimation algorithms for the better part of the last decade at the direct behest of Elon Musk himself to provide rosy projections about customer performance or or about car performances and make the owners feel good because, you know, it's all about the feels. So this kind of lowbrow frat boy bullshit and misrepresentation, I imagine the FTC's Lena Khan will have some interest in taking a look closer at it. So it's all a good example of why automakers are so opposed to the right to repair reform that would not only end their repair monopolies, but make the black box of modern vehicle tech more transparent to owners and independent technicians. Now, between this story, the fatal way it misrepresented its self-driving technology, growing competition in the EV space, and Musk's amazing knack for self-immolation? I don't even know what that is. That's uh, basically destroying yourself. Catching on fire. Uh, Immolation is... uh, Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. All that, it's very hard not to believe that even in the feckless regulatory environs of the u.s that tesla doesn't have some massive headaches on the horizon and i uh, can't say that we feel bad about that we've been bitching and complaining about tesla not only because it's an elon musk company and we fucking hate him but also because these things are just they're dangerous all the people driving them are just virtue signaling like oh look at me i care so much about the planet Yeah, and the battery that's running your little meat-meat-mobile is being mined by brown children in sandy places. And when they catch on fire, yeah, you're fucking up the environment a whole lot more than you're helping it by driving your little electric car. So, fuck you guys. Yeah. And Elon Musk. Yeah, so, yeah, we're not... We're not big on uh, electric vehicles, and, and there, there's a and, and so there, there's an article about uh, cybersecurity risks and best practices. Now, uh, so smart vehicles are very attractive assets, and every day new vulnerabilities are discovered. For example, hackers can hijack user accounts, and impeding charging, and even gaining access to home networks. Now, if we take a look at charge points using the Open Charge Point Protocol or OCCP, which I think is is an interesting acronym because. You know, it's, it, it, it might, I mean, it, it, it's, it's Saren, you're right there. It's CCP, you know, um, you know, clearly yeah. again, they, they've just stopped trying to hide anymore. They're yes. just putting it out there. Yeah. We see that OCCP has been found to have many vulnerabilities and exploits. Think of the absence of encryption, access controls, and timely vulnerability patches. Basically OCCP is lacking security best practices. Now other examples of compromised DVs, uh, are the notorious, uh, the mo- and the most notorious is the G pack from 2015 and the more 
recent event, a French team hacked a Tesla at a hacking conference in Vancouver, but, but it's also about EV chargers, keyless car entry and more now. And what about now? And this is, you know, cause this was, this was a few years ago and, and tackers could impersonate a charging station admin users and manipulate the system to provide free charging services. Um, th- yeah. Phone free, yeah, phone freaking anybody uh, going back to the eighties. Um, That's the truth. Yeah. Um, and, and in the Isle of Wight, uh, uh, hackers disrupted the EV charge, charging service by hacking the EV monitor to show inappropriate content, uh, displaying high voltage uh, fault codes to EV owners by pre- preventing them from charging their vehicles and leaving them stranded with an empty battery. Now, <laughs> it makes me laugh hard. Yeah. And, and, you know, Russian EV hackers uh, were successfully hacked, displaying pro-Ukrainian messages on the EV mo- and the monitor and, you know, and more. And, you know, the new combined charging stations attack technique that could potentially disrupt fast charging stations. The attack was dubbed, was dubbed broken wire. Uh, now, ransomware attacks could also be executed against not only EV chargers, but also the EV users. I mean, yes, because of these, you know, the, the apps and stuff that they, they use to connect them. And, you know, and, and, you know, and, you know, and the article goes on and talks about all the, the, the best practices. And I'm looking at this from a user and I'm going, yeah, I think the only I think the only winning move on this is just not to own one because there's really nothing you can do as an as an as an end user to protect yourself from this shit. Can I point out some awesome irony? What's that? The very troll who says it's hard for someone to hack your phone if it's in a drawer turned off has a brother who has an electric vehicle and your advice just really drips of irony in that situation. Yeah, the only winning move is not to play with an electric car, but that's just my opinion, man. Uh, so, um, but you know, there's, I, I we, this is, I, you know, we, we, it, it's funny because we actually have a couple there. there I need to, do I, we really have some late entry voicemails? N- n- no, I don't think we have any. Damn. late. I, I wish we had late entry voicemails. We don't think we have that, but you know, I was I, hoping I, but you know, I just, I just gotta, I just gotta say one thing to you guys. Y'all are a bunch of fucking degenerates. Yeah, and and I need to. There needs to be some work with that clip, uh, to uh, you know, because uh, I mean, really, like you know, we're something like that. So fucking over this. Yeah. So yeah, we are. And uh, oh yes, we certainly are. And, and exactly what we need to do is uh, we need to end this uh, something the, the, like, like the, this. The, yeah, exactly. And I need to go uh, hit. Jordan fades back. Swoosh, and that's the game. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool, and fuck you, I'm out! You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.